better not have no plans tonight. Movie time and it's feeling right. You're looking for a love that lasts. You'll find, find it at Romance in the Podcast. Ooh, ooh, baby, had me a hello. Ooh, I love you. I know. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at hello on Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. I almost yawned. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> and I'm your best man, Todd. And this Ugh. week, Paige made us watch The, the best, best Man. man. Allow me to plead my case. Please, yeah, tell us why you picked the movie, Paige. You've come here to the court of boring romantic comedies to plead the case for best man. I did not find this boring at all, but I'll explain in a second. Okay, first of all. Can I get, hang on, hang on. Can I get like a gavel sound effect and some courtroom scene sounds? Like, I need like Foley on this. Let's do it. Okay, yeah. Well, edit that in. Why do you have to narrate it? Oh, yeah, that's me. I'm telling myself to do this later, I guess. Okay, first of all, why did I pick this? One, because I wanted to do Best Man Holiday during Christmas, and I did not know it was a sequel. And, and, and like, in researching that it was a sequel, I was like, oh, we need to watch the original. And I'm actually very glad we did. Now, here's a few things. Is almost everyone in this movie a villain? Absolutely. Is there a, a wild amount of pacing issues? Like, you could cut a half hour out of this movie, you wouldn't miss it. Yes, absolutely. Does it have actually a really interesting point about owning your part in relationship struggles that it completely misses? Yes. Is it the movie I needed this morning or afternoon? Yeah, for some reason it was. Because for me... This felt like watching a Nick Lachey reality show of just like, <laughs> who's cheating on who? Oh my God, they're going to find out. Oh, the book. Oh, And then Terrence Howard is just standing off to the side like, these bitches. And you're just like, why is he the best character? Oh my God, what is happening? And now I cannot fucking wait for the sequel because I know it's all the same characters. And so I'm like, how are they just going to merry-go-round who's cheating with who in the sequel? I just need to, and there's a new one coming out. I, I'm on board. I'm on board 100% because you watch it like a train wreck, personally, and I was here for it. I have a quick question before we move on. Sure. You all watched the Dolph Lundgren Luke Wilson, the best man from 2023, right? No. What? He's kidding. I'm kidding. It was an action movie that looks terrible <laughs> when I was looking it up. I watched the preview for it, and I was like, oh, man, Luke Wilson has fallen. Uh, although I have not seen it, and it might slap. No, I watched this oh. one. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> I'll say this. I fucking love Terrence Howard in this movie, and we talked You're about right. it a little bit through DM because, like, he is just... He's, he's like the little engine that could because... <laughs> He's the most genuine of the guys, yes. I think. He's honest, at least. Yes. He's the <laughs> yeah. only one that is honest. He is sort of a dirtbag, but he knows it and he owns it. But he knows it. Exactly. I would rather my dirtbags wear it on the forehead and be yes. authentic to it so you know what you're going to get, right? Right. The Sadducees type move, but yeah, I see where you got there. And like the fact that there is a sequel is wild to me. There's two. There's one coming out after. <laughs> so many things are unforgivable that these people do to each other <laughs> that I was like I would never stay in this friend group. Can you imagine finding out that your best friend fucked your fiance the night before you got married while you were together? Right. And then still getting married and having him be your best man? But also he cheated on her for years 
and the double standard yes. of him like oh i think he's a trashy dude too bro like fully <laughs> yeah they still got married like the, the fact that they still got married is not yes now here's the thing if tay Diggs had the balls the movie <laughs> i wanted would have been like you know what my best friend is a piece of trash i finally told this woman we fucked Let's just go for it. That's, I mean, if you're going to get that messy with it, like go all the way through the rainbow. Because really, <laughs> all the way through the rainbow. Uh, I have a personal vendetta with guy friends where they treat their partners like shit when their partners aren't around, like either verbally, like they talk shit oh, about yeah, them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or they cheat all the time. Yeah. Those are not friends for me. No. So I would have, one, not been this dude's friend. Sure. Not been in his wedding. And then like, you know, I, 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 I just think the whole thing is trash. You mean if you were Tay Diggs' character? Yes. It's hard to tell because Tay Diggs is also a dirtbag. Yes. He is a dirtbag. Yeah. And then he's also a dumbass because yep. who would write this book on paper? <laughs> and then show up. I mean, he might as well have just called it the tea because <laughs> that's what it is. He's just like spilling the tea <laughs> on all of his friends in college. And Oprah's <laughs> like, this is a page turner. She can't get enough. Yeah, I'm with Oprah. We need to call this movie what it is, Black Mean Girls, because it's the burn book that goes around and causes all this drama. I, lo I love regular Mean Girls, too, so, like, I'm still in. I'm in for it. But, like, I, I don't see more than those eight people would give a shit about this book. And, like, why would he write it like this and pass it around? Like, the whole concept is my favorite because it's the most bonkers romantic comedy thing of, like, he wrote this book that shows all of everyone's tea. And then, uh, but, like. Like, if you look at it on a realistic lens, like, fuck all these people. I didn't like any of them. They talk for so fucking long. This movie drags <laughs> on longer than if you were in a train wreck and you were begging for God to take your soul from your body uh, afterwards. And so, like, I, I just wasn't a fan. I am morbidly curious how like a sequel from 10 years later at Christmas right? it's, it's like 8 years after this movie too so like yes it's way after at that point I just have to satisfy the curiosity right like, oh I can't wait to watch it no I want to see what Terrence Howard's up to in the future <laughs> right just with his own brand of math just hanging out yeah yeah it, there's just nothing wholesome I didn't really like any of the characters or want to spend more time with them after this movie was done but that's why it's a Nick Lachey show is like you're not their friend. You're not rooting for anybody. You're just like, what's going to happen? I know. I But like, also, if it was edited like a Nicholas Day show, I would have been down for it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I would watch something. I would watch this movie edited with reaction shots. Put <laughs> yeah. so this thing up into like four 45 minute segments where everyone's glasses are like solid metal. Gold metal. Like it's like gold. And. All the conversations are seven seconds long. I'm all in. I'm all in. Hell but yeah. like, they literally will have a scene that's like seven minutes of a conversation in a car, and I'm like, I can't pay attention today. It's snowing outside, and I want to play. <laughs> it was like homework. I couldn't pay attention. It was like history class. I, I I don't know what the fuck happened. The conversations didn't bother me that much because I was solving mysteries in the middle of them. I was like, everything anyone said, I was like, this is evidence. <laughs> like, and so I was still in it. But if I were to trim this, and I do think you could trim a half hour out of it. Oh, yeah. That's what goes is is a lot of those conversations that go on for a, a long time. There's a handful of dance sequences that go on for almost full songs. Those could get trimmed. 
those are the places that that would get cut, I would think. Yeah. I mean, it's just that there are like so many couples in this movie, I guess. And like they want to give time to all the couples because they're trying to make different points with all of the couples. Yes. Which I think is why love actually suffers as well. Yes. Like if you had a movie that took out like this, but took out some of the couples and it was just like the football star and Tay Diggs and it was their life and their romantic relationships honestly falling apart. Is what should have happened. And then they like go to therapy and put their shit back together. I'd be here for that kind of movie. I do feel like this suffers like love actually suffers because of the so many main characters. If this was set, if this was the one set at Christmas, it would be just like love actually. And I hate love actually. Yeah, no, I think it would be. Yeah. But also like that man tried to murder Tay Diggs. I know. It's great. He almost went full Suge Knight on him. There's no way that no one called the police on that scene. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Well, and he is like a NFL star. Right. Like, there's no yeah. way people yeah. wouldn't from the like, sidewalk be like, oh my God, that's like Aaron Rodgers holding someone off the roof or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> that would be on Twitter immediately. And Elon would like subtweet it big if true. Tay Diggs could have got so much money. Yeah. Oh, I think if Love Actually went this bonkers, I would like Love Actually more, if that makes sense. Because like it does suffer from that same problem of like you don't quite get enough time with any one person like Merchant Shelby. Their story and their interactions are hilarious, but we only see them every few minutes and we don't really have enough to form a full thing about them. The same thing happens with Love Actually. But in Love Actually, you've got Alan Rickman being a dirtbag and like Hugh Grant's story being kind of weird and everything else is just kind of these little moments. And I'm like, if everyone was a dirtbag and everyone slept with everyone else in Love Actually... I am in a hundred percent. That's the level of crazy I want. I mean, the climax of this film is like, I fucked your wife. So you would learn not to fuck your wife. Fuck around on your wife. <laughs> on your wife. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I mean, yeah. Hold on. Let me, re let me retake that for, for like dramatic effect. The, the climax of this movie is basically, I fucked your wife. So you would learn not to fuck around on your wife. Yeah. Cause I'm a good friend to you, but I'm going to go fuck around on my girlfriend and somehow I'm still better than all y'all. <laughs> Nice. I hated that Sanaa Lathan is only in 15 minutes of this movie. Like, she is I know. amazing. But, I mean, she's great in it. And I know, always. Honestly, like, I think everyone's great in this. We were talking about this earlier, but, like... Not a bad performance among them. A hundred, the acting's not the problem. <laughs> no, I, I think everyone did great. I don't know what it is about Terrence Howard. I just don't think he even, like, understands what a camera is, and he is just 100% being himself on screen at all times. And I mean that, I like... I kind of hope so. As a good thing. Like, he's a great, great actor. But when I was saying that in our group chat, Paige was like... He a little crazy, but yeah, he good on the screen. Yeah. So how is he? Cr how is he crazy though? That was my question. Like, I think it's narcissism. Oh no! I mean, <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't no. know. I don't he means in real life. So Terrence Howard believes that the way that we teach math in America is wrong, and so he has his own kind of math where it's like one times one equals two. Okay. Now he has also claimed occasionally to have multiple degrees from places that he never attended. And he says that their doctorates in like various things that are not 
a thing. Uh, in fact, the schools don't even have doctorates in those. But he was given like honorary degrees. I mean, people do give honorary degrees to actors and shit sometimes. Like, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, it doesn't mean they're they actually have a degree in it. Well, no, no, no. That's not the problem. No one is debating whether or not people have have given him honorary degrees. Of course, they have, and that happens all the time. The problem is he's going around saying, I have a PhD in chemical engineering from this place. And that place is like, that's not a major we have. (laughs) Not only did he not attend here and therefore not have a PhD, we we don't even offer that. Uh, So it's that kind of stuff. But he's great on the screen. I mean, he might be crazy, but he's great on the screen. He's great in this movie. These dudes love strippers, man. Hey, you know what? Who doesn't? Respect the arts. Um, I feel <laughs> respect. I love that. I feel like, and and this is, I guess, when we when we get to it, we can talk about it. I feel like, uh, as couples, if one of you is going to attend some sort of event that might be sexual in nature, like a bachelor party, yeah, yeah, uh, there's a discussion that has to take place on what is okay for your relationship, and I feel like no one did that. In this movie, but we'll get to it when we get to that part of the movie, I would say. I mean, no one communicates with their partner in this movie, more or less. Like, that's what we see. But that's not uncommon in these types of movies. Or in real life. That is also true, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think that this movie is hard to find someone to root for, in a way. Because, like, Tay Diggs isn't the best dude. Who's his, what's his friend's name? Morance Chestnut's his, his real name. Oh, yeah, uh, Lance. Yeah, so Lance is like a, he's a superstar who like gets around, although it does seem like he's ready for a change or at least is currently in a season where he's trying to be faithful to his fiance slash wife at the end of this movie. Maybe. I think he thinks marriage will solve all those problems. I think so, And too. I think that that's not a realistic, uh, uh, yeah. That's why I refer to it as a season, because typically those things come in seasons and, you know, yeah. it is what it is. Um, But there's just not really someone, I mean, and even like Merch's character. Yeah. Harold Perineo. Yeah, yeah, he's great. But I mean, even his character is like, the thing they're trying to point out is like, sometimes you need to break up, you know, like that kind of thing. So like, I don't know. It's just hard to find someone who's like, yeah, I love that guy or that that lady. Like, there's no one to root for in this movie. Yeah, it it is. I would say everyone in in this movie is in a season of a season where they need intense reevaluation of both <laughs> their own relationships and their place within them. Yeah, they all should go to therapy. Yes, I agree. Everyone yeah. should go to therapy, and most of them should break up. And that's yeah. my favorite part of the movie because because it is like watching. The ultimatum. It is. <laughs> Where you're just like, this is bad all around. I don't watch these types of films. It takes a denialistic approach to relationships. I watch those shows for that. So I did not. <laughs> I, I like the movies to have more of a positive approach. See, I like it better because it's not real people. Like, I'm not worried about actual people's lives getting fucked up after this movie. I mean, that is true. Like, when we watch, like, the Lachey shows. <laughs> right, those are real people. Those are people who are walking around in those lives every day. Yeah, and they're, like, making those mistakes yes. for us. Yeah. <laughs> they signed those releases, friends. <laughs> like, like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but like I'm, you know, no one actually knows what they're going to go through on a reality show, no matter what they tell you. It right. is no one should go on them. Don't sign the release. Yeah, at least no one has ever talked about that in the history of reality TV lately. No, but here's the thing: they have, but everyone's experience is different, and reality TV is constantly changing. 
and most people don't actually know what the things they're signing mean. Oh, of course not. Yeah. If you're in L.A. and you're around the industry, you might have a little bit more of an idea of what you're signing away. But most people don't and people don't have they don't get a chance to put them in front of lawyers to like have like an actual signing. Right. It is a really predatory industry. And so I feel bad for most people on reality shows because I feel like there's no way they would have known that 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 that's what was going to happen to them. Yeah. But these people are imaginary so I can have fun. This movie does have its finger on the pulse of what was toxic masculinity in the 1990s in a way that is like universally recognizable. Like all the dudes were definitely going to have strippers at their bachelor party and every one of them was definitely into that like when I was of the age where we were doing bachelor parties like you know there's like a season in your life where everyone's getting married and you're going to a few bachelor parties a year that kind of thing I never ever enjoyed going to a strip club at one of those I did I went to two I couldn't talk my way out of two of them and for the majority of the time and Mikey was probably familiar with at least this area but you know printer's alley brass stables on printer's alley yeah, yeah i yeah, stood yeah. in that parking garage right there waiting for them to get done in brass stables because like i don't like the vibe of strip clubs but that's not just a strip club that's a karaoke bar the brass stables was a strip club at the time it's a it was a strip karaoke bar well it was not a karaoke bar wait do they let you sing and strip yes they're strippers but also oh. it's mainly it does it did karaoke i thought i got to strip and sing and i'm like well maybe i I should check it back out. Well, I mean, I never signed up for the stripping part. I don't know if there was a sign-up sheet for that. I just did the karaoke <laughs> side. I think you and I should start a business where it's like karaoke, but for stripping, and just see how that goes terribly. No, they had professional <laughs> dancers. I think they would dance while you were karaoke. No, I know. I that know, sounds I know, awesome, I know. frankly. And it was... <laughs> A train wreck. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what's happening. It doesn't make me want to go to it, though. Like, it's still, I don't know. There's just something about strip clubs I don't like. It doesn't feel great. I also feel like there's a wide chasm of different kinds of strip clubs and strip experiences. And you got to know which ones you're walking into because some people are there to, like, do everything but technically cheat on their spouse, right? Right. And some people are like, we're all throwing dollars at people and screaming. And that's the length of their, that's as far as it goes. Like that's kind of the part that I am fine with. Like if you're throwing money at a woman on stage or a person on stage or whatever, that's fine. Right. It's weird that there's a dude three feet from me who's like getting it on more or less with somebody. Like I'm uncomfortable with that more than I am with what's going, like what's for sale, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Wow, you should go to Chewy's. (laughs) (laughs) like personally i love burlesque i think burlesque is awesome and that's stripping adjacent i'll say that is stripping adjacent right i've been to plenty of like drag and burlesque stuff that you could say is like a strip show and you're not wrong right and that's the part that i'm sort of fine with the only difference is that like a drag or like a burlesque show there isn't some 55-year-old man like three feet away from me grinding on a 28-year-old girl. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. not, I'm not, I don't want to be this close to that activity. And then like, you know, some clubs are different. And then I've right. only gone to like one or two. And then like depending on the group of friends you're with, it's like if some people just go to drink with their guys and not interact with people. Like just to drink while there are hot people around? Yeah. Yeah, I have way less of a problem with that. Yeah, same. Like, I don't have anything moralistically wrong with it. It's just not for me. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, and and let me, by by have a problem, I, I mean within the confines of, like, a relationship. Yes. If you're single, I don't give a shit what you do. You know, whatever. Exactly. And that harkens back 
back to what you were saying before people go on events like this that you got to have yeah. a conversation with your significant other. Right, right, right. Agreed. Yeah. Because like, you know, I like I've been married for a long time, but I've also been to Thunder Down Under and, and told Jake about it. It was like, I'm not touching anybody. They're on stage and I'm drinking. Like, And he's like, yeah, and I know you get the Thunder Down Under, so I ain't worried about that's it. That's right. That's right. What up? What up? <laughs> so like, but that's that's a conversation you have to have with people. I agree. Yeah. Where you're just like, what are we OK with? And we have to respect each other's boundaries in this. So, yeah. Well, they'll just lie to him and say I didn't go the healthy thing that happens in that friend group i mean that's more or less what some of them would have done i mean i don't think terrence howard would have lied um we know munch didn't because he told shelby yeah that happens in the street and then what i thought were just like passers-by started cheering his name as he like sort of was like well i'm going i'm out of here lady and like left his girlfriend on the street I didn't realize that it was the rest of the friend group because we had not seen them yet. Yeah. So I thought they were like rando Calrissians on the street, like cheering his name. I was like, how do they know his name? Like, how do they know what's what's happening in this scene enough to like cheer his name? And then it immediately cuts to them going into like the, I don't know where their, the strip club is, but whatever, like that room. No, it's not a strip club. It's It it's, seems like it was somebody's like high rise apartment or something. No, right? it's Terrence Howard. Airbnb or whatever. No, <laughs> God damn it. I have the answer. It's Terrence Howard's father's hotel and it is the presidential suite at the top of the hotel. You can tell because his name's on the outside of it and they have a conversation about whether or not he's going to take over the business. That's how they got that room is that he owns that hotel. Wait, Terrence Howard is like Richie Rich in this movie? It's not a crazy nice hotel. The hotel is also where they play poker. But it's like he his dad is in the hospitality business right, right, and they right. want they he wants Terrence Howard to take over and Terrence Howard is like I'm not really feeling that. But it is a nice hotel. It's a nice place. So he's not yeah. crazy. No one in this friend group is poor per se. No. And they do establish that at multiple points. Oh, yeah. Like Munch, I think, is almost looks down on by his friend group for just being a teacher. I also I think it's merch. It is merch. You're right. It is merch. But I just in my notes have him as Harold Perineo the entire time because I'm like, he's a fantastic actor and we put respect on his name. And he was in like everything at this time. And he's so good. Like, I really like it. And I like seeing him and stuff. He's been in a, a ton of stuff and he's always amazing. I'm sure he's still acting, but a lot of times like I'll lose track of somebody because they'll like get on a TV show for eight years. Right. And right, like right. they're super busy with that. And I just don't see that show. So I miss him. But he will always be Mercutio to me. Like he is so good in that role, which I'm going to make you guys watch at some point. Because I love that adaptation. It's so good. I love that movie. That's my uh, Romeo and Juliet. It slaps. But yeah, so that's how they got that that room. Is That's the trajectory of his potential employment. But also, there's a conversation where Lance is talking to Harper, Tay Diggs, and is like, I really do think it's God's intervention that all of us have ended up in a good place in our lives doing the things that we want to do. Which is not wrong. They all have some sort of career trajectory that is what they wanted to do. They're all kind of yeah. where they want to be in life. And I feel like the relationships are really the part where everyone is struggling and should talk to somebody. But, you know, as far as the rest of their lives, they're doing great. I mean, they're all crushing it career rise. You're right. Yeah, 100 percent. Like even Merch, who is a teacher, wants to be a teacher yeah. and is like, there's some like interest in being a lawyer. I don't know that. I, I think that he would like being a lawyer. I think he at this point in his life loves the work he's doing with the kids at the school. Yeah. So like 
I could see him changing careers at some point, I guess is my point. But right now he's loving what he's doing. Maybe we should talk about it when we get there okay. because a lot of people comment on it. And I think I think he has a passion for those children. And even if he were to become a lawyer, would probably decide to do something that impacts the community in a way. Yeah. Like maybe a public defender or or something that like is... Like a nonprofit. Yeah. Like a nonprofit. Yeah. Something that's not like, I'm only in this for the money because they're like, you didn't go to that six-figure thing. And he's like, I my passion is here. Yeah. Everyone seems to kind of downplay that. But I feel like that's a huge part of also why he breaks up with Shelby because Shelby does not get it. No, she does not. Like there's a lot of reasons he and Shelby should not be together, but that is one of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is just not money motivated. So right. he either like comes for money and doesn't really care about it because he doesn't really need it. Or he's just like, I can live a poor life and just make a lot of difference in my community and be happy. And that's great, too. I think he was yeah. just passionate. That, and that's Me what too. made him happy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's great. That's like a hard choice to make. And I think it's awesome that he makes it. I made that choice for like 10 years. Bro. Longer than that. You went into nonprofit right after you got your master's, right? Yeah, I worked at the same place for 15 years last week. Yeah. Yeah, no. But like I wanted to, you know, do whatever those things are doing. Help people. <laughs> no, I understand, man. I understand. Like you do. But, you know, you can still want to fuck around on somebody and want to help people, <laughs> apparently. Well, Mikey, it's not that I wanted to point this out, but <laughs> uh, yeah. out of all of us that help people the most... I can't imagine being in this friend group and not just like throwing my shit around every other week. If I was in this group chat or like just in these events, I'd be like, honey, we're fucking done. We're not going to the Super Bowl party. I'm not. I don't, I'm done with this group like this. I don't like it. Mikey, you and I have talked about and I think Todd, too, on previous episodes where it's like if you found out someone was cheating, if you knew. Yeah. Would you tell their partner? Yes, because the guilt would eat me alive. Like, I am not the person to keep that secret for you. And this entire friend group seems content to keep those secrets in a way that, like, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I agree. Put yourself in the shoes of anyone else at that wedding where you're like, the best man's all beat the fuck up because he fucked the wife last night or the night before and then he almost murdered him and then now they're still married and they're like talking nice to each other the next day well no he didn't he didn't fuck the wife the night before he fucked her years ago in college yeah he found out the night before but you're right two very different things it is it's still bad <laughs> yes i would say that this is less bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> because yes. it's like it happened in college not the night before the wedding but yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i have a policy of like there is a statute of limitations <laughs> Where it's like, has it happened again since? No. 20 years ago? I don't care. You know, we're like, I wasn't, who cares to me, you know? Okay, so if you have, if you were together during that time, though, would you care? I think I would, but only because of the trust issue. Sure. Because I do agree. It's been a long time, right? It's been a long time. Personally, if I found out, let's call it 10, 15 years after the fact that Jake had a one night stand with somebody and then nothing happened in the intervening 15 years, I might have an angry conversation about it, but we're probably staying together because for me, that 15 years outweighs that one night. The thing that I have built outweighs one mistake. Now, if I found out that it was a pattern of behavior and this was not the only time it had happened and it had happened multiple times, that's a whole different conversation. Absolutely. And I think in this movie, the way they show it is that it was kind of a one-time thing And then not much has happened in the intervening year. Oh, yeah. I mean, they didn't pursue anything after college. So, yeah, I agree it was a one-night thing. Now, here's the thing. He cheats on her the entire time, and that's a reason for them to break up. But let's say he hadn't. 
I would not be weirded out by them getting married in this movie. You mean Morris Chestnut cheated on her? Right. So like if he hadn't. He was. I would be like, this is water under the bridge. Just get married. But like he has a pattern of infidelity to current that I was like, yeah, and she knows about it. It's it's like she is aware that it's happening. So dumb, which means at a certain point she is choosing to engage with the relationship in that way, which is like her choice. I'm Yeah, that that's is fine. Her choice. Yeah, I, it, at least she knows like that's I, I don't know. But but back to my question here, if we were just attending this wedding as like the, the level outside this level of friends, right. I'd be like, we're not hanging out with these people like this is. Oh, I'm going to go to stay at the wedding to see what happens. A hundred percent. Same. That's what I was going to say. If I was in this friend group on the outskirts, I would definitely go to the wedding. A hundred percent. And, and, and be there to watch the mayhem. And exactly. that's how this movie feels to me is like being a wedding guest in that outside circle. That's like, did you fucking see his black eye? Like, Love it. Yes, I love those scenes. What I didn't like was like, here we're driving. Let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the <laughs> It does feel like it was adapted from the stage in that way, where it's a lot of two-person scenes one-on-one, you know? I said that. It felt like a play. It was like talky, 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 strippers, talky, 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 <laughs> fight, wedding. And that's I, See, here's my thing, though. I feel like you can pick up so many clues in those conversations, though, so that, like, early in the movie, I was like, oh, somebody definitely slept with Mia. Who are our culprits? And I was, like, making charts and stuff. I was into it. It didn't... But again, I would trim. Yeah. I would just want to know who, like... If it was Pepe Sylvia who slept with Mia and then like, that's all I want to <laughs> know. Like it just, 100%. It's just Paige connecting the red string around in the mailroom basement. Yeah. But maybe we should just go through this movie scene by scene though. Yes. Uh, so we open in Chicago briefly, only for a moment because it's not architecturally significant. But also <laughs> it's Chicago definitely set on a back lot that's supposed to be New York, which is the best part yeah. because they like clearly passed Brooklyn brownstones and then they're like license plate. However, it needs to be Chicago because that's how he's connecting with Oprah and Oprah's production studio. Everything is is in Chicago. Yeah. So like that's the implication of kind of how he's connecting with them is through the Chicago studios and everything. And he is like an author, right? We learned that he has published his first novel and that Oprah wants it for her January book of the month club or whatever, which would be like a huge deal, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, especially back then. He would be a millionaire overnight. Like Yes, and and so this is so hold on, I'm I'm pouring Baja Blast. Mountain Dew Zero. When you're about to drop some hot Oprah facts, drink on some Mountain Dew Zero. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who has been on one of Oprah's lists before, I can attest to the fame boost it gives you. Uh, But (laughs) it was like three years ago. We still have most of those fans. That's because it's sticky, baby. It's sticky. Tay Diggs arrives home to meet his girlfriend, Sanaa Lathan, who is using his kitchen for her catering stuff. And he tells her that, yes, they've inked a deal with Oprah. She wants to be part of the book club. Oprah's book club was better than having the New York Times bestseller at the time. And still, I would argue still is probably because the New York Times bestseller and Amazon bestseller lists are largely algorithm based and easily tricked at this point. But Oprah's book club ain't no fake in that. Especially back when this movie came out. I think it lost power when she stopped doing the show. But back then, 
she would like take these books out on show on the on, yes. on an episode. Oh, and he would have been interviewed. He would have been on at least one episode that month. Yeah. And he, she's like, this is why I love this. This is my book of the month. This is why I love it. So here's the thing. It, it's still popular because Oprah magazine is still hugely popular. Yeah. And Oprah still has all because the list I was on was uh, Oprah magazine. And like it was wild waking up the next morning to like. 4,000 followers in 10 minutes. Like it was fucking not like, and it was cause cult podcast ended up on and yeah. we tripled like immediately. It was wild. So it's still powerful. But at the time she would have you on the show, she would interview you, but then she kind of got in trouble because she had that million little pieces guy on. I remember who would turn out to be a fraud. And after that, people kind of like side eyed. But if Oprah signs off on your book, you're selling a million copies. Yeah. Like there's no way around it. Even now it's the golden ticket, man. Yes. So he pretty much comes home and says, hey, girlfriend, I'm going to be rich as shit. Let's celebrate. Hey, girlfriend, I'm the new Michael Crichton. Uh, no, it's, it's <laughs> I know. completely different. Uh, it's much more of a David Sedaris kind of vibe, I think, because it's all personal stories. Yeah, it's like slice of life. Yeah. Uh, specifically about his friend group in college. Yeah. And let me tell you, man, some shit went down that will be unveiled throughout this movie. I thought it was so funny that it is. I didn't put it together, but it is like the burn book, Mikey. Yeah. Because it's all about like what's in the book, who's read the book. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. But Mikey's right. If you had done this cut tighter, but as like a TV series, like a soap opera, I would never stop watching it. I would be like, oh, she's going to find out that he slept with so-and-so just like the whole time that like it aggressively gets to my flavor of drama. Yeah. Anyway, we cut to them in a bathtub, kind of relaxing, having like a nice romantic time. Yeah. And they're talking about how they're going to go to a wedding reunion the following week with his friend group. Yeah. And she's like, I don't really know what I'm walking into. I don't know any of these people. And I know that you wrote about them. And there's a character that you wrote about that seems like it was a romantic interest. And I'm nervous about you seeing them this coming week. Valid conversation, I would say. And he's like, don't worry about it. We definitely won't schedule a lot of time together one on one. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah. almost have sex. Like he was going to have sex with her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only reason they didn't have sex is because he blamed his fuck up on her. She slapped him rightfully and then stormed out of the room. Also rightfully. But other than that, yes. they were going to have sex. And here's the thing. This scene and, and some of the scenes right after this, if you don't realize that Tay Diggs is the villain of this movie, this sets it up for you right here. Because he's like, absolutely nothing's going to happen. Don't even worry about it. She drives to the airport the next morning. And this, I think, is what Mikey's talking about is the really long car conversation. Because this does go on for a while where she's yeah. just like, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know these people. And I feel like you are hesitant to commit. And that makes me nervous about where our relationship stands. Uh, and he's like, you're being stupid for being nervous about that. Well, and Sanat Lathan said that night when they were in the bath together, right? I love you. And he didn't say it back. Yeah. They've been together two years and he hasn't ever said I love you to Sanat Lathan for the love of basketball. Like, what does it take? <laughs> She's an amazing, gorgeous yeah. woman. I know. I know. It takes someone else in the relationship to say this is not an acceptable to me and I'm going to leave you. That's fair. Yeah. But like. And, and that's basically she lays that out in this car ride. She's like. I don't feel comfortable about this. This makes me upset. 
I know you love me, but I have some doubts. We'll talk about it later. I'll see you at the wedding on Sunday. Have a good few days. But she basically establishes at this, at this point that they're not on solid ground when she's going to get there Sunday. They have some shit to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. I think that she realized that night before that she is spending a lot of time dating an unserious man. Like he will not, yeah. after two years, say I love you to her. Yeah. She should be like, where's Omar Epps? Like, what am I doing? So I rewatched Love and Basketball like two months ago because it's a good movie. And uh, I do love a good that movie. movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> I mean, the the older I get, though, that these things in movies, the older you get, seem more preposterous. You know, like I can't imagine being in my 30s and be like with someone for two years and not saying I love you, or like I would be like, right. wow, that's wild. It is wild. I also got that they were like 28. But in your 20s, I guess it's like more expectable. More expect. No, I think they're like mid 20s. No, I think they're like mid 30s because like. He's had a chance to be a lawyer for a while. Harold, Harold Perrineau has, but hasn't passed the bar. Right. But has taken it multiple times, which means that he had to finish school and law school. That's true. They A bunch of them have been to graduate school. Yeah. I think they're early 30s. Okay. Early 30s sounds right to me. That's way too late to la- tell your girlfriend of two years that you love her. Like, what? Yeah. She has keys to your house. Okay, I've given a key to someone I didn't say I love you to before, but we were like close. Me too. I have a few neighbors that have keys just in case, you know, emergencies or whatever, but like... How long have you been together? With my neighbors? I mean, they were all on our first date, but like... I'm talking about I've done relationships where I gave them a key and did not say I loved you. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. Yeah, for me, I don't think you get a key to my house as a relationship unless that's been said yeah that's like a well i mean i guess that goes to like how long into a relationship do you feel comfortable saying i love you like to me that comes before please whenever you want come over like that's what that key says right because here's the thing it's like if if you don't have a key that means you're only there when i'm there if right. you have a key you can come over whenever right. the, my space is essentially your space at that point exactly yeah which to me i guess like if you are more comfortable with them having unlimited access to your home sure before you're more comfortable saying i love you i could see why that would come first but for me it's the other way around. <laughs> it was like headed that way very quickly, but like yeah. they needed the space to do some, pra- there's like practical reasons. And I was like, just use this, use this space when I'm at work or whatever. Oh yeah. Th- I, that, that makes sense. I guess. Like say if someone had like a balloon business and they needed a space close to downtown <laughs> to set up balloons, like, would you let that person use your space? Yes, probably Mikey. I get why that happened. That's definitely not the, what I'm talking about. <laughs> obviously. I actually don't know if that ever happened. So like, I don't know. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But you guys weren't dating two years for your, in your defense. No, we were like, we were at like that eight month, like things right. were either going to go like real serious or break up. And they went like break up. It happens, man. I'm sorry. I, I know. I'm sorry, man. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Now. Yeah. I got the key back. Yeah, of course. Yeah. She had the Spider-Man key too. You know, like that's the cool one. Oh, that is the cool one. Anyway. So. He goes to New York and immediately lands. Harold Perineo picks him up in his van for the like urban development youth project. Yeah. And he does tell him like, yeah, I had to take a gun from a kid the other week. It's been really rough. But like, you know, I feel like I'm actually making a difference. And this is where he's like, I don't know why you didn't take that six figure salary. Just, you know, if you're going to be stressed out, at least get paid. And he's like, well, yeah, Shelby wants that, too, which we will illustrate with Shelby later because she's like, 
drive me to Saks so I can spend your money <laughs> at one point. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason they break up in this movie. Uh, and I also understand why Tay Diggs, who is, I think, clearly more financially ambitious. Sure. Would be like, why aren't you taking that job? Like, I don't even understand what you're doing with these children that you're fucking changing their life forever. Like, gross. Why don't you just make that money, man? Like, I get why Tay Diggs is that way. And honestly, like, because I see a lot of that in myself. Like, you know. Yeah. Shamefully. But ultimately, this car conversation becomes important because it's the first time we realize that the book has gotten to other people. Yeah. Not just the people he thought had read it. And everyone realizes that it's about them, including Shelby, and she's not happy about it. Right. Well, and we, we sort of find out throughout this scene, and honestly, every time we sort of meet a new main character, that they were all very close yeah. in college. Right. They were all close in college. And this is where we hear, a, like, kind of firsthand about Jordan, who is, air quotes, Kendall, although we will find out maybe not later. But right. this is who Sanaa Lathan is worried about. This previous kind of, like, friendship, but maybe more... Uh, and they're immediately going to see her next. So we show up at Jordan's work where she works for BET and she's organizing and producing. She's like an executive producer. Yes. Yeah. yeah she's producing segments. That's why I think mid thirties, because it takes a bit yeah. to get to that level. It does. And those people make good money. Like, and that's a hard fucking job, man. You've got like nine different things going on at once. And you're like, it's, it's just like conducting an orchestra, but a lot more people are watching you. <laughs> yeah. But so this is where they run into Jordan. And of course, Jordan is the one who requested the book to get like an early scoop. Right. Because she works at BET and that would be a thing of interest. Right. Especially if Oprah is going to pick it up. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, or if Oprah's going to pick it up. But also it's your executive producer's friend from college. Of course. Like, yeah. you know, but this is also where Harold Perineo is like, hey, what actually happened during college with Jordan? Yeah. And we get a flashback to them working late on the school paper, which becomes a little bit of a facet of the pre the like story in the past versus the story in the future. A whole bunch of their friend group worked at the school paper in college, which is a big deal. Yeah. And then a handful of people are kind of connected either via previous relationships or romantic relationships. But so he and Jordan worked at the newspaper. They're waiting on the printer late one night. They're falling asleep. So he turns on Stevie Wonder and they dance around to stay awake. They're like singing and dancing. It's it's actually looks like a lot of fun. I've, I've really loved this moment for them. Yeah. Even though I don't want them to be together. Yeah, no, I, I don't think they should be. <laughs> but these, I remember these sort of moments from college that are like sort of kismity and like, yeah. it is very much will they, won't they in the scene. And then it right. turns out that she ends up being like the one that got away. Right. Well, because essentially they're dancing. They start kind of stripping down. They kiss, but then yeah. the disc starts skipping and it's like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, it kind of shocks them back into the moment of like, oh, no, this should not be right. But we cut back to present day. And we meet her like director or producer above her who is like, please get a camera at that wedding. Yes, let's interview him for spots. We're going to get him interviewed on all these shows. It's going to be great. Yeah. We cut to them all three leaving because now as a group, they're like traveling to meet up with all the various wedding people. And she's just like, this is nuts. I've been getting calls nonstop for like, you know, cousins to get introduced to single dudes and like. You know, who wants what from the caterer? And they comment, they're like, oh, well, you should let Quentin handle the single people. She's like, trust me, I already did. And it's a problem. 
Thus, we meet Quentin Spivey, yeah. a.k.a. Terrence Howard, playing the guitar <laughs> with a guitar <laughs> over his shoulder. Hell yeah. He's actually playing, too. Like, yes. It, like, pans in on him, and he is, like, you know, like, they'll fake it where, like, you see someone from, like, above whatever instrument they're supposedly playing, and then it does a tight close-up of, quote, their hands, and it's clearly not them. Like, it swoops in, and you see him playing some pretty difficult stuff. Like, I guess he can actually play guitar, which is great. That's so cool. Sounds cool. But they pull him aside, and he is, within seconds, says to Tay Diggs, like, I read your book, and you made me sound kind of awful. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's (laughs) Tay Diggs wrote literally just aired out in that book he just made everyone sound like shit it seems like he like stole their life rights and just like instead of terrence howard he was blarence flowered and like that was it like (laughs) and wrote the worst things about them like didn't include any good attributes which is like these people suck and one is like multiple of them are famous yes so there's a reason this is getting put right like this is an easy sell this is like a tell-all this guy's trash. Yes. He's just trash. This is a group of friends who should have grown apart after college, and they only stay together because they knew each other in college and fundamentally don't understand each other or get along, and they're all kind of assholes. They're all going through a crazy season in their life, which yes. I did after I got divorced at like 27, so like I've been there. I think if you use the word season again, I'm going to have to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> You're sounding too life coachy to me right now, and I'm about to come over that Zoom call. Oh, it's the season of anger. <laughs> We got snowed in, Mikey. I can't help it. I'm like, I like the only time I like to use that term is for like really frivolous things. I'd be like, I'd be like, I'm in the season of my life where I want fundito and not regular queso. <laughs> oh, I do love fundito. I love how specific that was. <laughs> yeah, that's what I use the season now because it's like, I, it, I there's some trauma with that. I think I've been on a lot of first dates where someone has to tell me what season they're in and why or whatever. And like, um, you know, I didn't ask that question. That's just, you know, volunteered information. I mean, I don't hate it as a term because I feel like it's a way to describe a feeling of a time in your life either passing or occurring. Like it makes more sense to me in the past where you're like, I was friends with those people during a season of my life and that season has passed and now it's time for me to do other things. That makes the most sense to me. Yeah, I also agree that I'm using it correctly for the movie we're watching. Yeah, yeah, no, I I didn't have any problems, Todd. But <laughs> no, I will I say in my in my life personally, instead of saying a season of whatever, I say I'd like to do X in my life moving forward. But you've heard a lot of people use it wrong, right? Both of you? A hundred. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is a season of my life where avocados are the best thing. I'm like, I get it. But (laughs) for me, it makes more sense past tense, but whatever. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm just in a season of my life where I want guys to message me first on dating apps or vice versa or whatever. You're like... See, and and that's not how you should use it. If that's what... (laughs) if, If you're like... What you should say is moving forward, I feel like it's more healthy for me if I pull back on instigating communication so that I'm finding relationships that are more evenly based in communication and I'm not doing all of the reaching out. That's a very elegant articulation that clears all gray area up page. You're welcome. That is not appropriate in a dating environment. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you communicate effectively while dating? (laughs) How dare I? I just want to see Mikey on a first date where like this lady's talking about how this season in her life that just ended and then she goes, what season are you in? And he goes, 
It snowed. It's winter. Winter. <laughs> All of these things have value. Things have value. But I'm going to tell you, if you get more than two in one sit down where it's like, here's my Enneagram number. Here's my Myers-Briggs. Oh, that's a lot. Here's what season I'm in. You know, here's my uh, my sign. What Hufflepuff house are you or Hogwarts house are you? Uh-huh. Your, ho- your Hogwarts house. Mikey, what Enneagram? Hang on, hang on, hang on. We got to <laughs> run through it. What Enneagram are you? I'm a two. Okay. That's the helper. I'm an ENFP and my Myers-Briggs. Uh, what was my third one? What season am I in? Fucking cold. It's really fucking cold outside. <laughs> winter. He's in winter, guys. <laughs> I'm in winter. And then, uh, what was my fourth one? Oh, I'm a Taurus. Nice. But people throw those out there. I honestly didn't think you'd know. Yeah, I know all my stuff. I've done this a lot. No, I know. I, I didn't think you'd know. That's why I asked, because I thought you'd make yeah. it a joke. But then you just answered, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I've done all those things. I just don't like <laughs> let them be my defining character. This is going to make so many people angry. <laughs> I'm an eight, and I'm an ENFP. And Paige, we know. Are you an eight? That, I'm an, that, I'm an eight. that checks out. Okay. Yeah, I'm an eight, and unsurprisingly, I am a Scorpio Virgo rising. <laughs> this is why Paige and I get along so well. When twos are stressed, they turn into eight. There you go. See, I can talk Enneagram, but I don't do that's not a that's not a first four date activity. I don't know. I think if you started talking Enneagram with someone who brought it up first and you knew a lot about it, that'd be like a green flag for me, you know? Oh, you can get laid with it, but you like you're not gonna have a good time. <laughs> Depending on who you're talking about. I'm a 50-50 Gryffindor Slytherin split. Holy shit. <laughs> that's my favorite sex position. Nice. And honestly, personally. Slytherin, what's up? So is Todd. I don't think of myself in those terms anymore. I'm a, th- no, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I'm, I'm the achiever. That makes sense. I can see that. And uh, I am uh, Aquarius. I don't know shit about the sign stuff. Me either. I know what a Taurus is, and it's like stubborn and dependable. I would say that's exactly you, though. You are stubborn. You're very stubborn. Mm-hmm. But like, if you need to move, Mikey will help you. Like, Mikey is also very dependable. Yeah. But also, I don't think everyone born in May is just like me. That would be weird. Actually, I think if you'll notice, the star. Stars actually say that you're wrong. Everyone in May is that way. That's the way it is. There's only 12 personality types, Mikey. It's very well documented. I'm surprised you're not aware. I would call myself a charismatic person who holds grudges, though. So, like, mine's pretty dead on. And I am the water bringer or whatever. Let's move on. <laughs> why do you get to be the avatar or whatever? What? If, why am I just like a stubborn person and you get to bring water to people? Uh, I don't know. I, I know that I am the water sign that is not a fish and that's all I've got for you. I'm so sorry. Sorry, guys. I have been triggered about pop psychology on first dates too much and I, I don't. I have totally derailed. I am in a season of life I, where I'm not listening to your star animals. Uh, listen, I am in a season of life where I am talking very bad about astrology. It may not last forever, but this is where I am currently. Right, 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 right. I'm only going to say this sentence one time. After I was cyber bullied by that life coach after I didn't go on the third day with her, I'm done with life coaches and that kind of talk. That's true. That did happen. That did happen. Did I ever show you guys my vision board for this year? Is this a real? Oh, she's getting it. It's a real thing. Oh, it's real. It's real. I keep it by my desk. There's a giant picture of lasagna on it. Is that what you're <laughs> manifesting, Paige? Uh, it's, I'm manifesting a number of things. I went over it on Cult Podcast, so I won't redo it. But essentially, this is my season of life is going to involve lasagna, gathering the people I love around me, and wearing weird shit, some of it that I made. Get ready for it. Okay. I like those goals because... 
They're smart goals. And they're achievable. <laughs> yeah, they're measurable. And they don't require I do anything. No, and <laughs> also more moisturizer. Well, we can always do with that. I'm going to take my hoodie off. You're welcome, lady. Oh, Ladies. shit. Hang on. Can I get video? Hang on. I'm really hot. I have these like winter fuzzy snot socks on and they're making my, my body warm. Mikey, we know you're really hot. We get it. Well, don't show me your feet. What is happening, guys? They got they got sticky stuff on the bottom, like an old like an old per like an old person sock. Grippy socks. It is Chris Bridges on the podcast right now. Everyone, stop being ludicrous. Let's move on. I immediately just went from really hot to really cold. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey was like, "I gotta take my hoodie off." He takes his hoodie off. Cut to three seconds later. I made a terrible mistake. I'm not. This is not the weather that I I thrive in. It's, it's 11 degrees outside right now. Yeah, Mikey, come inside. What are you doing? You own a home. <laughs> Why are you podcasting from the porch? Why are you outside? Tell Macy to let you in. Okay. I told both of you, I was like, I can't record till this time because I have to go outside and play. And I went, I played hard and I went a long time. It was, I'm really tired. Like I really wore myself out out there. It was like, <laughs> Mikey, Natalie and I walked to Publix just down. Like it's like a mile away and then back. I did like four with Macy and we stopped at parks and played with dogs and then we like went sledding and like I had a whole adventure. It's fun. Like it was fun just to get out in it. Like, yeah. Didn't realize it was going to snow like three more inches. I know. Like, at, at, like two hours into our journey. It's going to snow until 1230 tonight. We're going to get more inches tonight. I'm never going to be able to leave my house. And that's a lot of inches, ladies. <laughs> three inches is a lot, ladies. Like I said at my gym. 30 seconds is a long time when I was planking. And what is sex if not planking on top of a woman or below one? God, if you only do that one position, sure. Just elbows on her chest. <laughs> on her chest? What? Why do I keep suffocating my dates? Low plank on her. No. What are you doing? Do you mind if I put my knees down? <laughs> this is why Mikey is single. Yeah. Because he's planking on people's chest. Mikey is planking ladies on your chest. Ugh. So DM me if you want to walk the plank. How did you crack two ribs during sex? Well, this dude planked on my literal chest. Did you come? No. My sternum pops. <laughs> There's at least three people out there like real into this. Uh, if you're real <laughs> into this, DM Mikey. If you're in the season of having your ribs broken during sex. <laughs> no. <laughs> How big is it if you're breaking their ribs? No, it's he's, he's planking on their chest. I know, Paige. Know. That's the joke. Uh, is that it wouldn't be his planking arms. <laughs> My I love when Paige believes you every time. I'm like, what? Early, early in this episode, I'm like, he's joking. But Paige and I both struggle with, like, we can nail sarcasm ourselves, but we struggle to see it in other people when they use sarcasm. Or we're like, that was so incredibly stupid. They couldn't have meant that. Yeah. <laughs> then you're like, wait. I do it too, Paige. I do it all the time. So sorry. But yeah, please continue. So he talks to, <laughs> to Terrence Howard, who's just like, Man, I don't know why you said all these bad things about me just because I treat women bad and I'm kind of an awful person. <laughs> You're just like, that. yeah, that tracks. Yeah, his problem with the book isn't that he didn't do those things. It's that he told people he did those things. Well, and he didn't embellish to make him sound cool despite right. those things. Right. He just told the truth. Yeah. And he's like, come on, man. You had a chance and you made me sound like me. 
Rude. Rude. <laughs> I, but like Terrence Howard is the only like I think fully self-aware person in this movie. Yes. And he should be commended for it. Well, his character, yes. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Terrence Howard, the person, troubling. I honestly <laughs> don't know anything about Terrence Howard. I, I really don't as a person. But I think he's great when I see him in movies. In movies, great. In real life, not so great. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Yeah, he hustle and blows. <laughs> he's great in movies, though. I understand he might not be a good guy. I don't know. Name your top five Terrence Howard films. Literally anything he's been in. He, like, disappears into every role, is my point. He was good in Iron Man. Yeah. He, he was good in Iron Man. But I also like Don Cheadle, so I wasn't mad. I love Don Cheadle, too, yeah. That they changed that. That just illustrates my point that I don't think he He's done a ton of great. I mean, he's done like a couple, but like he has. I mean, like he does a lot of different stuff. Like he kind of spreads it out because he's in Idlewild, which is a fucking wild movie. But then he's also in like Iron Man and shit. Well, he was also in like Crash. Like he's done big movies too. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wasn't he in that Empire show for a long time? Yeah, yeah. forever. And he's fucking terrifying. And that he's great in Empire, a hundred percent. I actually just looked it up. He's in a hundred and two episodes of Empire. So yeah, yeah. And the, but that's what he's done for. Like, like the last like i mean empire's been off for a few years it's been off for five years yeah yeah anyway in walks morris chestnut dressed like a fancy pastor uh but apparently he <laughs> is a football player we never see him play football or do anything athletic and i love that no but like he looks like he could be a football player i casting was on point oh he does look like it but we never have to watch him do it which listen i was thankful for honestly it's not about that it's about exactly. the interpersonal relationships in this very toxic friend group <laughs> exactly but also we find out in this scene that it's his wedding he's the one getting married yeah and who should show up to ruin the party but shelby who is just like an i think overly possessive oh no there's a lot of problems with shelby <laughs> vapid oh no i was trying to like figure out the right wording is vapid right uh, materialistic, definitely. Yes, materialistic. Bossy. Controlling. Controlling is a good way to say it, yeah. Codependent yeah. as well. Like, won't let him go out and do his own thing. Like, I like to be around Natalie too, but like last Friday she went and had a girls' night. Right, right, And I'm right. going Wednesday to have a guys' night. Like, that's like a normal sort of thing to do, right? Like, We're, we, we are... Probably we're not having that guy's night on Wednesday. Well, because of the snow, you're right. But I will say, Mikey, we did have one planned. We did have one planned. Anyway, she wants to control him is the biggest thing. Yes. She wants to control him, his money, all of it. And he allows that to happen yeah. within the relationship. Some people like to be controlled. That is true. Let's talk about systems. Systems. <laughs> Therapy. <laughs> I'm not going to get too much into it to protect the names of the innocent. Yeah, but what I will say is I find this relationship dynamic to be troubling and, and problematic for an equitable relationship in which communication flows freely. However... Some people do choose this dynamic because they prefer it and they they both of them are part of it because she orders him around. She wants to spend his money. She is very intent on money and materialistic things and he capitulates to her in that relationship. So yeah. it is kind of a, a constantly revolving cycle. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't continue if he did not allow it to continue, either by, you know, setting a boundary that she respects or ending the relationship, which we see in this movie. Like, right. I do think they sort of both grow out of this relationship in a weird way. Like, because at the end of this movie, it sort of implied that she's going to end up with Terrence Howard, which I didn't love. I didn't love that either. 
either. Maybe it's just for that night. You know, it is a wedding. Yeah. They're both bridesmen, groomsmen, whatever. The mid-credit scene implied that they were not happy with the situation, and that was fun. Right, 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 yeah. But I bet they're together when the Christmas movie comes out. We'll find we'll out. We'll find out. I'm so excited. I think, I think she changes him. They find, like, a good dynamic. He does need someone who is more type A in his life, and I do think Shelby was, like, very taskmastery with merch. Well, and I think I think there's a level of hate there for each other that turns into honesty that most relationships don't get to. Sure. Where I'd be like, I don't want to put up with your shit. When I say shit, I mean this seven point thing I wrote up in a PowerPoint that I'm about to show you. <laughs> and she's like, I just did the same thing. I do think that in some <laughs> cases, personalities like this actually really do go together and serve each other in a really fun way. Where like you have a friend that's kind of a party person and then a person who's a little more straight laced and kind of but but confident in themselves. Yeah. And for some reason that tends to work because it's almost like they respect the party. They like they respect the the serious person because they're confident in themselves and they rein in the party person because they're like, well, I care about them. So it, it is a weird dynamic that sometimes really works out in a weird way. Yeah. But yeah. We'll see. We'll see when we see the sequel. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I would almost do it next week if that wasn't unhinged. Uh, anyway. I did sort of feel like in a lot of scenes, the meme that you sometimes see on like Twitter where it's like drama's about to happen. So like someone's settling down on the couch with like some popcorn about ready to enjoy it. Yep. I felt like that many times as a scene was starting where you knew there were like stakes, yes. you know, and I was here for that part of it. Yeah. Yes. So I, I get why you liked it, Paige. I like to see a good fall from grace, and there was no grace established. I don't. I didn't need it in the story. <laughs> it was only fall. No one is yeah. positioned as being good. Like the I movie's know. not telling me anyone's good. I need them to position them to be good in the second half, being like, but people no, aren't. You're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. I know, Paige. I do sort of agree. Like I do like that they do feel more rounded yes. as characters than like a, most rom coms we do, right. because. Nobody's like perfect. In fact, hardly anyone's even good. Because people aren't perfect. I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. So, like, I'm comfortable starting from a place of the movie being like, all these people are fucked up and then they're going to have to <laughs> untangle it. Good luck. Like, I'm here for that in a weird way. Yeah. Where if somebody was perfect, then the stakes aren't as high for me because they're not going to do those things. Like, it'd be out of character for someone who is set up as good to do half the shit that happens in this movie. Yeah, I mean, fair. Hello, Todd, it's Mikey. Hello, Mikey, it's Todd. <laughs> I need to tell you something. Mikey, it's fine. You'll be a great dad. That's, we're going to table that. <laughs> but on that table is a delicious factor meal. Yes! What a transition! Oh my God, guys, this actually is a factor ad. That was amazing, Mikey. Mikey here for factor meal on Romance of the Pod. Heck yeah. We're going to table it. Delicious, already fresh made meals, never frozen. It takes two minutes to warm up, just like Mikey does. I have a busy schedule. I work all day. I have fun too much. I also work at night. I also have too much fun. And I <laughs> have a problem with words. Yeah, words is one. Uh, <laughs> ordering out is another one. Same. I ordered out tonight. Yes. I literally got, let's just say, a factor equivalent meal for Natalie and I. And it was like $48. 
what it could have been way less with Factor. Yeah, and I, I struggle with proportions. And Factor comes pre-proportioned, pre-prepared, chef re ready. I've used it before. Before they even advertised on the podcast, I used Factor meals, especially when I was working a lot during the COVID lockdown. I mean, that was the best time to get on board with Factor, except for right now, because <laughs> Factor is giving 50% off to all of our listeners. If they go to factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 and use code romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's code romancingthepod50 at factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's a good deal. Do it. And they have an easy-to-use app. And they never require me to talk about the app. Mikey, that was the end of the ad. That was the I end know. of the ad. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going. All right, Factor Meals. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we cut to Lance's house, who is Morris Chestnut. And it looks like a church. I feel like they filmed the exteriors of his house at a church and the interiors at a house. And it was a wild, wild discrepancy. <laughs> but this is where we meet Mia, who is Lance's fiance and also a friend of theirs from high school. College, but yeah. College, yes, sorry. We do cut back to them meeting in college where she meets Morris Chestnut for the first time. And I think she is unique to him because she doesn't immediately fawn over him. She's just like, oh, who are you? Okay, whatever. Uh, she's sort of utterly unimpressed with him yep. in a place in his life where everyone's throwing themselves at him because the men want to be his friends and the women want to date him, right? Because yep. he's like this football star at their college. I get it. And she's just like, she knows a lot about the sport and is very smart and like clearly like is interested in the game of football, just not so much with the players, it seems. Right. And he's like into it because it's a challenge. Like, I guess he sort of falls in love with her because like she makes him work for, I don't know, like you're sort of drawn to people because you want to win them over and he just sort of falls in love with her during that, I guess. I think there's also the aspect of parasocial relationships here where it's like if someone's not fawning over you. They might actually take the chance to get to know you as opposed to someone who is a fan. That's a different dynamic. Fuck, that is true. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Someone who is like, oh, man, I hate that you have a podcast. I'd be like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you're good for Mikey. I'd be like, what? who has a podcast? Not me. <laughs> it's almost this idea of like, you know how sometimes famous people stay together with someone they met before they were famous? That's why. Yeah. Because it's like, I know I can trust this person because they were here before. Yeah. And sometimes that's how people last. And I think this is one of those things. It's like, it was before the NFL. She wasn't fawning over him. She took the time to actually get to know him. Now, has he respected her in the interim? No, he has, he has cheated on her constantly. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But I would say from the perspective of like, who is someone I can trust who I know is not just here for the fame and whatever, it's her. Yeah. And I think that's a huge component of that. Yeah, I think so too. As they're leaving the house, Jordan basically says to Harper, Tay Diggs, is like, hey, let's let the station buy us lunch tomorrow when we're doing all those interviews. It'll be fun. Yeah, I'll see you at 11. Yeah. It's like, the, he, she sort of just like drops him off, you know? Well, no, because this is where they have the argument where he's like, oh shit, no, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Like if you wanted to get a copy of the book, you could have just called and she's like, no, save your sloppy seconds for Oprah. I wanted the exclusive. And then she confronts him of like, 
why did you leave your girlfriend at home this weekend? Yeah. Of of like, hey, I read your book. I know what's up. Why'd you leave her at home? Yeah. And I do think, I mean, obviously she's read the book, but like, I do think that she looks at him as sort of the one who got away because at the, like 56 minutes into this movie, she's like tomorrow night, let's fuck, you know, like she is into it. Yes. But she also later on makes a really interesting comment where she's like, I hadn't contextualized our relationship in that way until I read your book and realized that at the time I was feeling that and you were too and maybe we missed our moment. Yes. Yeah. And so like it, it's almost like the book precipitates that interaction to the point where I would argue just as someone who writes things that that's maybe what he wanted. Yeah. Like maybe he wrote it to get back to her like that. That was his whole purpose for writing the book. Anyway, we cut to the poker game at the Spivey Grand Hotel. Remember, Terrence Howard is Quentin Spivey. It's his dad's hotel. Yeah. And this scene in the movie is real rough. Uh, it's real gross for a lot of reasons. The way they talk about women is pretty rough. This is like that casual 90s misogyny I was talking about. Yeah. Which is like rife in all romantic comedies at this time. It like, is. Yeah. But I also feel like this scene does not set it up as good. Oh, it doesn't. No. It, this scene really does set this up as all of these people have problems in their relationships romantically for various reasons. And so it kind of goes around the horn where it's like Harold Perineu is not happy in his relationship, but is not speaking up about that and is not communicating that right. to a partner who is not receptive to it. And then you have Morris Chestnut, who has a very unbalanced idea of what the roles should be in his relationship. And it's fine for him to go cheat on on Mia, but if she ever did, it'd be over. Like, it's this crazy double standard. Right. But he also thinks that just by getting married, that'll stop him from cheating on people, which I do love that Quentin calls out and is like, that's the stupidest thing you've ever said. People cheat on people they're married <laughs> to all the time. The problem is you. The problem is you cheating on her, yeah. which no one had the balls to call out. They've all been hiding his infidelity from Mia. Yeah, I could not do that, but yeah. I couldn't do it either. Uh, then we have Tay Diggs, who is selfish, I would say, is a huge thing of. Oh, yeah. He likes his girlfriends are an accessory for him. He likes them to be exactly the way they want to be. But if they become anything past his characterization of them, he is no longer invested in the relationship. He's not really building a relationship. He has an accessory. He has a prop. Yeah, he has a prop. It's almost like he should make room in his life for an actual relationship. You know, like <laughs> it's like that sort of a thing, you know, well, and part of the reason he's not is because he's holding on to this past relationship with Jordan that never existed, but he has set it as the pedestal for all other relationships to reach to, yes. which they never will because his version is imaginary. Yeah. So he has set stakes for these women that he does not communicate to them that they could never possibly reach. I mean, but that's like, yes, of course you're going to fantasize or maybe not fantasize, but like blow someone out of proportion that you only had like very sweet, intimate moments with. But like you didn't get so far into the relationship that you heard them like fart themselves asleep. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's like a different type of intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't understand that he's idolizing this version of Jordan, which is not even the real Jordan. It's his version. Yeah. Um, and then finally, we get back around to Quentin Terrence Howard, who doesn't maintain any serious or long term relationships with women. He is purely non-monogamous, constantly single, constantly just in pursuit of sexual gratification. 
but at least he's honest about it. I know. Which is a weird line to draw, but it's no, like it. everyone else at the table is kind of lying to themselves that like, no, I'm a good guy. It's women are the problem for X, Y, and Z. Right. And Quentin is like, I am also the problem. I am the problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he is like, I agree. Women are the problem and I love them all. So I'm going to try and have sex with them all. And that is just who I am. You can call me what you want because of it. Right. But like, I am me and I'm going to be honest. And they're all like, well, you're a bad dude. And they're all the ones lying to their partners. They're all equally bad in my in yes, my like, mind. They're all yeah. equally bad. Yes. I, I think, honestly, Terrence Howard is being more honest than everybody else in the room. And he is painted like the dirtbag. As one of the last single friends on in a few of my friend groups, it, it is like, I'm like, yeah, I did that. Like, but I'm single. And like, right. y'all are assholes yes yes i agree with you mikey and then but my favorite is because quentin has read the book yeah and i love that when we're first introduced to quentin it almost plays quentin as kind of this like dirt bag fuck boy that's not very smart quentin is the smartest guy in that room i think so quentin read the book yeah quentin knows who everyone is he knows who the alliances are and he's ready to call people on their shit because in this scene, Quentin is like, okay, so you have, you've cheated on your fiance yeah. for years. We all know we've kept your secret. Do you think that if in all this time she did it once, don't you think she'd be well within her rights to do so? Com- considering what you have done to her, if, if the scales are measured. I really connected with him in this scene and what he was saying. Cause I, cause, cause you just want to be like, you're a, fucking asshole with the double standard yeah and like he knows that they were giving him shit and i'm like hey let me I ha- you know as a therapist when you're mad at someone you when you're not in a therapy session but you can like turn a mirror a little bit and be like i don't want to say psychological warfare but like you could point he like harris howard went for the jugular in this verbal argument and got it yeah well i think he got it because he's being truthful like yes he is being honest yeah do you think she never did it once? Do you think she liked it? Yeah, yeah. he's like, you think she never did it? You think she never did with anybody? And I think the movie is kind of giving you a little bit of a red herring oh. at this point where it's going to, because I was like, oh my God, did Quentin and Mia hook up? Like, that's what I thought. Oh, I think that's what it wants you to think. Yeah, I do think they're playing that as the red herring. But yes. I think Quentin just already fucking knows who it was. Oh, of course he knows. And is just like going to stir the pot and watch his dummy athletic friend in his mind see if he can figure it out before the wedding. Like, yeah. I do feel like on some level, Terrence Howard is just sitting back and watching everything unfold and enjoying the show. Yes, uh-huh. which again, for me, I was like audience analog. Yeah. <laughs> because we are too. But literally, Morris Chestnut like jumps across the table and like chokes him. Like, yeah, like assaults him. There, There's going to be a fight. Yeah. And he's rich. I would sue the shit out of this guy. Oh, you mean if you... If, if a professional football player that you were friends with from college physically assaulted you because you were like, hey, maybe don't cheat on your fiance. Yeah, I'd probably sue him too. With like six <laughs> witnesses in the room that could yeah. easily be subpoenaed in the in the in the dispositions. Absolutely. Yeah. Some of them are almost lawyers. Yeah. Like why did he attack you? I pointed out that he's cheated on his fiance a bunch and that he is he is living a double standard. Yeah, let's see if he wants that going into a, a court record that is then public <laughs> of, like knowledge, right? So like he's definitely going to settle out of court for a, a few millies. Well, and so this is kind of what I love because Morris Chestnut walks away to kind of cool down. Yeah. And Terrence Howard is just like, it's in that book. 
and and like looks at at Tay Diggs like what you know you know it's gonna come out there you know we all read it yep so what are you gonna do about it you wrote it right it's Chekhov's burn book at this point <laughs> yes it a hundred percent is <laughs> yeah. yeah we cut to the next morning where he's calling Sanaa Lathan, who has the phone cord wrapped all the way around her waist. Yeah. I was like, how many times did she turn around with the phone in her hand? <laughs> but this is like back in the day when like people had corded phones. Like that was not uncommon to see at someone's house. Yeah. It was just, it was wild that I was like, she must have answered the phone and then did a full 360. <laughs> <laughs> I, but Paige, I am like old enough to remember those times. Do you remember those times? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, of course. Yeah. I remember when it was a big deal when we had a 2.4 gigahertz cordless phone. I was like, shit, I can stand in the yard and talk on the phone. Yeah. This is a, we we've been through some weird family stuff this week that made me remember this. But my my grandmother who has since passed had dementia yeah did not ever understand the difference between a cell phone and her cordless phone <laughs> oh i love it and so at one point when we were kind of like hey you can't drive on your own anymore or whatever and we were like why don't you ever take the phone we got you and she's like i've got my phone and she had her cordless phone in her purse <laughs> and it is one of those things that like at the time we were like oh no but now looking back like 20 years later i was like man that was that was a good one <laughs> good one grams anyway He's talking to her about getting ready and what she's going to wear to the wedding. And she says, I love you. He doesn't say it back because he realizes that Jordan has been standing in his doorway and has been watching him walk around the room in his underwear the whole time. Well, boxers, then that becomes the thing, right? He's like, uh, wa he walks out of the room sort of like he is trying to cover himself with a towel. But like, you know, yeah, he's also kind of putting on a show because it's Tay Diggs and he's in he's in shape yeah. and she's enjoying the show. Yeah. So he like scampers out of the room and she she says something like, I thought you were a breeze man. Yeah. And he's like, son. Now Lathan got me these and he and she says something like, oh, that's where you got the style. Like, oh, she's got good taste. Yeah, that's yeah, what it yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. But we cut to them walking. I, I would assume after they taped the interviews and things because they don't go there after this. But right. basically having a conversation of what's happened in the intervening years where she's single. She's a career lady. She knows the book. She's read it. She knows who the characters are. She knows he was writing about her and she's kind of confronting him about it. Yeah. And confronting him about why he doesn't feel like he's ready for marriage in his current relationship. But she also re reveals that, like, she has not had even good sex in six months. Yeah. And she brings up, like, hey, do you remember that one time Mia made us this thing? And he's like, yeah, Mia can cook. She's very talented. And she is like, oh, shit. We're not the characters I thought we were in the book. Me as the other character, you fucked me. Yeah. Although I knew that because Terrence Howard knew that. And Terrence Howard, I think, telegraphs it in the, the card scene. Why wouldn't you just take that one part of the book out? Oh, I would. I don't know. I definitely would. I, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't have written this book me either. if I was gonna see these people again. But we also find out from the book and from this conversation that his like go-to move is the forehead kiss. Yeah. And I feel like we need to discuss the forehead kiss. Let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. They they have to be shorter than you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. I don't think I don't think I've ever got on my tippy toes to kiss a woman on the forehead, but yeah. I've never I've never thought about that, but Mikey, I think you might be right. Hey, do you mind if I give you a forehead kiss? Let me get the step stool. I've dated some taller women. Look, I don't discriminate. No, for for sure. I've dated taller women too, Mikey, but I did not kiss them on their forehead. I'll climb that Amazon to kiss your forehead, but it's going to take a little while for me to get up there. <laughs> well, or 
you got to wait until you're like laying down or sitting down, I guess, to, to do the forehead kiss. Sure, sure. <laughs> like she's laying down. You're like, come above her. And you're like, like mm. <laughs> Spider-Man style. <laughs> it's Spooderman. <laughs> I feel like this is some real fuckboy energy on Tay Diggs', Tay Diggs part. And this is just, again, this is me with my own personal feelings coming to this movie. I feel like forehead kisses are very intimate. Okay. And okay. you only do that with certain people. And I feel like him doing that in those moments is manufactured intimacy to make people more likely to kind of engage with him in a sexual way. I think you're right. And I think it, it comes back to my old theory of holding hands as being more intimate than making out. I agree with you. Yes. Uh -huh. and, and I think I think I have only kissed the foreheads of women I have loved. Yes. I think that that's true for me, too. Yeah, Mikey, that's probably accurate. I, that is not a move I pull out there for like a regular kind of deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, and, and it's a move that is, I would say, less sexual, but more vulnerable. Yes. But it breaks those walls down because you're like, well, if this person's going to be that vulnerable. And so like he brings it up in the book a bunch, but it's almost like that conversation in Pulp Fiction about foot massages where it's like, that's a vulnerable personal thing that you would only do with certain people. I mean, unless that was my job. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't massage just anyone's foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, unless you were a, a pedicurist. Yeah, exactly. Like there's generally two types of forehead kisses. And I guess three now with the fuck boy one. It's like you're in a deeply vulnerable place for someone where you really care about them. Right. And then there's the like unrequited, like the there's the we we have circumstances against us. Are you the you like you, forehead kisses are like this is the go to move because we can never be together kind of move as well. Like like timing never worked out, but we could uh -huh, deeply uh -huh. love yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I care about you, and I don't know that you care the same way. Yeah. But because of that, I'm we're going to part ways. Forehead kiss. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad we had this discussion. It seems like we're all on the same page. Yeah. I'd be like, my dick, that that's not serious. <laughs> well, it's a very it's a very caring gesture as opposed to just an attraction gesture. But I bet that changes culture to culture, too. It probably does. You're right. Like, because I in the Facebook rooms, we have people from literally all over the world. Yeah. So I'd be really interested to hear from other people who are just like, yeah, it doesn't mean that much to us. <laughs> I mean, it might not. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Or maybe it does. I don't know. I feel like this movie communicates that it has a similar weight as it as we have just discussed. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so. But we also grew up in the culture this movie takes place in. So like, yeah, sort of. Yeah. To your point that other cultures might not. That's all I'm saying. You know, right, right, right. But I mean, it's America. So like what else matters? <sighs> a lot. A lot. I've been out of America a lot. And I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you a lot of out of America is pretty damn cool. <laughs> anyway, so. We cut to they go to Lance's apartment and he's like halfway through the book. Yeah. Now, Tay Diggs is like, I got to fucking steal that fucking book. Oh, my God. But Lance says, like, was I really that bad in that book? And he's like, yeah, you were. We cut <laughs> back to college and we cut to him, like, forcing Tay Diggs to pray with him every time he's cheating on Mia, which is, like, so much. And it's also established that, like, Tay Diggs is, like, an atheist or a non-believing person. I don't want to like quantify it, but like, or a Christian who thinks this is just fucking bananas. And I don't want to pray with my friend after every time he cheats. Right. Cause he should stop cheating. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But like Mikey, I don't believe you believe if like you were like, Hey Todd, I cheated on my girlfriend. Come over so I can pray with you. I'd be like, no, <laughs> I'm no, that's weird. Like, I'm not going to do that. Maybe stop cheating so we can stop having this little weird ritual. I mean, like if you all just believed harder and clapped your hands and I and I'm a Christian, but I'm talking about like I'm talking about like, you know, 
Tinkerbell style. Maybe I'll stop cheating. <laughs> right. Maybe. We'll see. Anyway, we cut to a conversation with Quentin because they're out kind of getting their tuxedos and everything set up. Yeah. That he is setting up the bachelor party and it's at his dad's hotel and he's supposed to be in the hotel management business, but he's not getting out of it. Uh, but he also confronts Tay Diggs and is like, don't act like you're better than us. You have all the same dirty laundry. They just haven't caught you yet. But this is also where Harold Perineau asks if he can borrow the phone to talk yeah. to Shelby. Yeah. And Terrence Howard was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> just like, ah, yes. <laughs> I also like, I felt a little bit bad for him because like, he's going to have to eat shit because he didn't communicate with her. Yeah. And like, Terrence Howard knows that. And I do think he is trying to precipitate a break in their relationship, which is needed. But I felt bad for him in that moment because he was probably like, fuck. Yeah. Now I have to have a fight, you know? Oh, well, if that's what's going to happen. It needed to end. So, <laughs> yeah. If that small thing is going to precipitate a fight. Yeah. Maybe that it's not good. You should. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, you're right. But we also cut over to Jordan over at Mia's as she's helping Mia kind of get ready. And she kind of roundabout confronts Mia and is like, hey, did you and Tay Diggs sleep together? And she's just like, yes, it was one time. There's no feelings there. It never went beyond that. It was just that one you know, specific time. I was in a weird emotional place. I'll always love him for that. Yeah. But that's where it ended. So we know that it wasn't ongoing. Right. It literally was a one time thing, right? Like, yes. But we cut to them coming back from getting their tuxedos where they run into Shelby and Shelby, first of all, is mad that she didn't get pictures of the tuxedos, but also or describe them because this is pre camera phone. So yeah, he's, like, she's mad that he didn't call to describe the tuxedos. All right, Shelby, it's black. He's got a white shirt and a, uh, like a black vest <laughs> and like a black tie. <laughs> uh, it looks a lot like all the other ones. I don't know. Yeah, like, I, would, I would be as good at this as like describing how food tastes. I'd be like, it tastes good <laughs> it's, it's cheesy like cheese normally is uh-huh but not like fundito cheese that i'm only in the no. season of right now i'm only capable of describing food from taco bell like it's like it's crunchy melty it's uh, also wrap and supreme <laughs> i don't know what we're doing here <laughs> i'm in a season of black bean crunch wraps and <laughs> that sounds healthy no that's jake's order i i'm in a season of grilled cheese burritos well, one of my dis Distant Brothers is it literally like a grilled cheese burrito? Close. Because <laughs> of all the layers. It's <laughs> all wrapped up. His TikTok, he's going to Taco oh, Bell that's right. you told every us about, day us about this. for a year. He's eating Taco Bell every day for a year on his TikTok. Did that start in January or is it started, has it been going? No, he's in the 80s right now a number of days, right? Okay. So it's already started. Okay. How is his digestion going? I haven't asked, but he got the talk. Of course he has like the local Taco Bell manager's phone number. He has it. Sure. And on Thanksgiving and Christmas Day, he convinced that man to open the store to let him eat there. And he did. And while we're snowed in and he can't get to that Taco Bell, he bought Taco Bell and he has it in his freezer and he's like rationing it. Just to have it. Yeah. So he can eat it every day. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm here to tell you Taco Bell surprisingly reheats great. <laughs> you feel like it shouldn't and yet it does it's amazing anyway i'm just slowly watching him like give himself gout on tiktok it's very funny to me so shelby is like why didn't you tell me about these beefy creamy supreme tuxedos and then she goes into this whole thing of like 
babysitting. She says the phrase. I wrote it down because I was so shocked that she even said it. Quotes babysitting these ghetto children, uh-huh. which is like insulting the work that he's doing that is like deeply impactful that he clearly cares about. And But this is also her like just insulting him and chipping away at his self-esteem so he won't go to the bachelor party. Yeah, it is like beating him down so that he will just do whatever she wants. It's like abuse. It's like a form of abuse. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Yeah. Meanwhile, while that's happening, Jordan confronts Tay Diggs and is like, I talked to Mia. She admitted it. And he's like, why the fuck did you do that? And she's like, okay, but forget about that. Let's have sex tonight. And he's like, what the fuck? What? What? And she's like, I feel like we're we're in a season of having second chances. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to miss out twice. That's how Mikey would describe it, right? That's how Mikey would describe it. Yeah. But again, this she knows he has an existing partner. Yes. Now, he has implied to her that maybe that partnership's not going to last, but that's still, it's still hazy, gray area. It's yeah. not great. No, it's terrible. He's, he's cheating on his two-year-long relationship. Yep. That is terrible. Yes. And he even says, he's like, my girlfriend's coming tomorrow, which is not a no. It's So I'm coming tonight. <laughs> yeah, logistically, this can present problems. But they kiss in front of the cross. I did like how when he says Jesus Christ to her, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And he like says that to the cross in that scene. I was like, Tay Diggs is great. He's very funny. He's got good timing. (laughs) We cut to their rehearsal dinner where they give like a toast to Tay Diggs and he goes to the bathroom and... Morris Chestnut comes in and locks the door to the bathroom to the point where I was like, he got to the part in the book. Like, oh, no. But no, that's not what happened. Yeah, because but you think he does because you saw him steal the book back. So he has it. So he could have read it and like, but he does it. He's like, man, I got to thank you. Like, you're the reason I stopped cheating on my girlfriend and decided to marry her or whatever. (laughs) A a couple weeks ago. (laughs) And they have what I think is actually a really interesting, good guy conversation between the two of them in this scene, because Tay Diggs, I think, finally vocalizes that he doesn't feel ready to commit to Robin. And maybe that's him. Maybe that's not her. And Morris Chestnut, even in in this moment, is like, Mia is my person. She's the person who makes the most sense. I love her. I care about her. Even if she did sleep with somebody else, I would have to find a way to get by it because I could not be without her. Yeah. And I would find a way to forgive her for all of the times that she has forgiven me. But of course, who should interrupt them right as Tay Diggs is about to be like, hey, about that. It was me. <laughs> it was me. Uh, it was sorry Mia. about that. Yeah. Right, it, right as he's about to say it, who should interrupt them except Uncle Skeeter, who is great and literally just exists to be hilarious comic relief in a handful of scenes yeah so wonderful but he kind of busts in is like what are you guys talking about there's a lot of fine ladies why are you even getting married and morris chestnut's (laughs) like i'm only doing this once i'm not going to be paying five alimony payments like your goofy ass and you're just like yes so they leave without tay diggs coming clean right although it does telegraph that he wanted to come clean right he wanted to come clean yeah at this point in the movie i looked at the time and i was like how is there an hour left i know of this movie and i had no idea what i was about to get into because we literally cut right into terrence howard being like we're about to get into an ignorant mess at this bachelor party. <laughs> There's still a fight between Shelby and Merch about who he's gonna who's gonna go. 
but he stands up to her and because they should have had this conversation ahead of time, but they didn't. And he's like, well, I'll see you in the morning. And she's just like stunned. She's like, I can't believe he's disobeying me. Right. It's great. And then random people you never see like cheer, merch, 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 as he walks through the scene. But there are the other people that are there for the bachelor party as well. Yes. But man. Because all it's implied that all of those dudes went to college. So they all know her. Right. And they all know the situation. Right. And how bad, like, would you feel if you had been, like, setting a boundary with your girlfriend? You were very, like, you, for the first time, you set a boundary. Yep. And your friends are like, yeah, fuck you, like, right to her. Yeah. Like, that would not have been good for me. I would have been like, guys, shut up. Shut up. That would ruin the moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Your boundary would uh, collapse. Yeah, exactly. But also, she's unintentionally right because this bachelor party is awful. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. Well, it's it's a bachelor party. And, like, it's not that, like, I have heard of many bachelor parties being about this level of debaucherous. This is tame compared to some stories I have heard. That's true. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's just not one I'd want to be at. Yeah, it's... Anyway, so it's at this like penthouse in the hotel. We do see the rings because he gives them to Tay Diggs because he'll have to hand them out at the wedding. Yeah. Uh, And they are platinum, which was the style at the time and has kind of remained the style. Platinum and white gold is kind of the thing like modern day too. Is it? Okay. Or it has been. Uh, When we got our rings about five years ago, we went with classic yellow gold and it was unusual at the time although my sister's ring is yellow gold too so you know stuff changes anyway yeah so tay diggs steals the book back and i do love that this whole like bachelor party is scored to bugaboo (laughs) destiny's child's bugaboo Uh i was like oh yes like perfect for the era fantastic yeah at one point Merch is calling Shelby from the hotel phone and Terrence Howard just reaches over and hangs up on her and is like, drink this. Like, don't talk to Shelby. Oh, and they get they get merch drunk. They get him super drunk. In in come the strippers. They they dance up on Morris Chestnut. They dance on Tay Diggs. And then they introduce a third stripper, Candy, played by Regina Hall. So, you know, she's going to be important because Uh she goes on to be a star. Yeah, I mean. It's Regina Hall. You're like, right. oh, wow. Okay, wow. Yeah, nice. I do like that she dances up on a dude and forces him to eat a chocolate nipple lollipop. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. I was like, oh, genital candy is always the best part <laughs> of any bachelor function. So she dances up on merch. She's giving him a lap dance and he is like too into it. And he says, do you love me? And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, no. He thinks the stripper's in love with him. That's not how this works. This is a transactional situation. Which she does explain to him. I actually loved that on the street stuff. Like, I thought that was great. Watching someone ask a stripper if they love them is (laughs) makes me sad on the inside in a way that is not. I've seen that in real life as well. No. (gasps) One of my friends. Oh, no. I will not name names, but like love strippers in a way that I don't like <laughs> like a nice pair a social relationship <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that, that was a visual oh, joke that only babe. works on the bottom uh, so sorry uh, if I wanted to I'd clap <laughs> do you love me <laughs> <laughs> you gotta make that ass clap we're talking about strippers my bad my bad dancers yeah this is basically like someone like be like do you love me I'd be like oh thanks for listening oh god <laughs> <laughs> oh you mean like your AMA that you do every now and then <laughs> You seem like you'd be a good movie date. I am. I loved your answer to that one. That was very funny to me. Have you ever gone on a date from a question? And I'd be like, it's anonymous. It reminds me of that office episode where they hire 
they they have a bachelor party upstairs and a bachelor party downstairs, and they hire a uh, classic speakers of America Ben Franklin for upstairs. Oh yeah, and a stripper for downstairs, and. <sighs> They like paid for her time, so they make her do office work, and everyone basically comes in and like confesses all of the office drama to the stripper. And at one point, she's just like, "Secret secrets are no fun. Secret secrets hurt someone." And Michael's like, "I feel like you understand me." <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that Ben Franklin, Andy Daly, who is amazing in that role. Yeah. Yep, Andy Daly. Uh, didn't you have syphilis? Ben Franklin did, but I don't. I'm Gary. <laughs> like, oh, no. Oh, no. Anyway, we cut to the end of the bachelor party, and they are going to get a bunch of coffee for merch to drink. Yeah. Morris Chestnut sees Tay Diggs' jacket that he kind of dropped when the girls were dancing on him, and he sees that the book is in it, so he picks it up, and he goes to the bathroom and reads it. We cut to out on the street. Regina Hall is trying to leave. And Harold Perrineau is just like, but wait, I feel like we had a connection. And she's like, hi, I was employed for this function. Um, I am a vendor and our vendor relationship is over. <laughs> Let me show you my contract or whatever. Like the money has been exchanged for services. I'm going home for the evening. Like she's done. Right. But he does quote Audrey Lord to her. And she's like, oh, like, that's interesting. And he's like, it's just something I say to inspire my students. And she's like, okay. And so now it's like, she's like, okay, maybe I'm having more of a conversation with him. Oh, no, I think she's like into it. Yeah. I think at first she thought she, he was attractive because she does see him in a group full of guys. Sure. And like singles him out and goes and dance with him. Right. I, it's plausible that she found him attractive. That's fine. But like, she's also going home after a day of work. So she's not really into it. And then he says something that's interesting to her and she gets cued in. Like, I yeah. I like this. I thought it was cute. She's into it. So yeah. meanwhile, we cut back upstairs where Tay Diggs is drunk, super drunk. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to go have sex with my college friend. Oh, Woo! yeah. And he's like loud. He's like knocking on Morris Chestnut's door to tell him. Meanwhile, Morris Chestnut's reading the book and we get voiceover and we get a flashback to what happened yeah. where he realizes that Tay Diggs slept with Mia back in the day. Yeah. And we cut back out to the street just in time to see up on the balcony that he has like suge knighted Tay Diggs over this balcony. Yeah, like his back is over it. Like he is trying to hold himself on it. And it's funny because Mercutio's on the street talking to Candy. Right. And he looks up and he's like, oh shit, I gotta go. Don't don't leave. I gotta go stop this murder from taking place. But please stay, Candy. And I do love that Terrence Howard, Quentin, comes out and he's like, hey, you don't want to do this. Yes, he's a bitch ass and I can't believe he hurt you that way. Yeah. But the reality is you still love Mia. You always have. This isn't about him. It's about you and Mia together tomorrow. Pull him up and marry the woman you love tomorrow. And I was just like, man. Quentin coming in clutch. He's great. <laughs> he should have been the best man. Anyway. Paige, my hot take. I think he is the best man in this movie. In the movie. He may not be the best man at the wedding, but he's the best man in this movie because he's honest. True. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but at this point, Morris Chestnut pulls him back over to the, the balcony and he's just like, the wedding is off. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. He shook days him instead of shook nights him, right? He like brings him back from the, yeah. Because he lives to shook another day. Um... <laughs> So <laughs> Tay Diggs picks up the book, book and leaves and goes to Jordan's uh, where Jordan is like getting all ready. Like she's all dressed up. She's made food. She's got candles, all of it. 
Tay Diggs shows up beat to shit. I mean, he got he did get punched like in the face really hard by oh, a professional yeah. football player. Like I bought that he he had a black eye. Like that made sense. And he shows up and he's basically is like, I got my ass whipped because it's your fault because you got the book and other people read the book. And she slaps him, deservedly so, because she's like, oh, yeah, motherfucker, you wrote the book. I know you wrote the book. You said all this shit. You stirred all this shit. You fucked Mia. You're trying to get me, even though you've got a relationship. I'm drunk and I'm horny. Fuck you. Good night. Bye. Like and like leaves. She like pieces out. Yeah. She leaves him on her couch and then she goes to bed. Yeah. And I was just like, yes. The worst. Yeah, because he's the villain. Um, we cut to the next day. So now Lathan shows up at the, up at the airport and this is pre 9 11 because he meets her at the gate. <laughs> and he like is out of it. Hungover, beat up, like, yep. you know, and she's like, hey, can I get changed in the church? I didn't want to wear my dress on the plane. And he's like, yeah, I guess or whatever. And then he just like sits down like as they're leaving. He's just like, I need a break. Yeah, I can't do this. <laughs> There's a lot I got to tell you real quick. Yeah. But we, we cut to like the airport cafe is what I would call it. Yeah. And she's like. So did you sleep with her? And he's like, no. And she's like, but you were going to. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. Which is great that he's honest with her in this moment. Like, I did like that. Right. But And she's like, I'm glad you told me because now I know where I stand. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not perfect, but I'm strong. So if you're going to fix this wedding, you better go because it starts soon. And he's like, I can't find him. And she's like, well, you got to convince him to get married. And he's like, well, where, how am, how am I going to go? Where am I going to do it? And she just goes. I don't care. I've got a plane to catch. And I was like, yes, girl, get on that plane. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, she does not. She does not get on that plane. I don't know. I feel like she is like, I get like where I am in this relationship and I am no longer as committed as I was to you at the beginning of this movie. Sure. But I, I feel like all of this is drama he created. It's yes. not her problem to solve. She should get back on that plane and go home. I agree. And be like, goodbye. This is when she'll. She'll post a weird quote on Instagram and I'll like slide right into those DMs right no, there. No, that's mean. Don't take advantage of her. She deserves so much better. And I think Mikey is going to make her an offer that she is going to find difficult to refuse. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji, winky face. Eggplant. <laughs> Eggplant. <laughs> Peach. Anyway. Sorry. He begs her to stay. He's like, I can't do this alone. Please don't leave me. And she's yeah. basically like. I'll go with you for their sake, essentially, is is what she said. Also, I kind of want to see how it plays out. But, like, I'll go with you for their sake, sure. Well, that, and she's like, and I want to see Jordan. I want to see what kept you from me, basically. Yeah. So, we cut to the wedding. Shelby's out front. And he's about to break up with her. And who should walk up but his other date, Regina Hall, that he just brought to the wedding. Uh -huh. Which is madness but i was like yes and he just goes shelby it's over for you it's over i'm not the man for you you're not the woman for me we should stop fooling ourselves and go after the things that would make us more happy but it's not each other and i was like that's accurate he probably should have said that yesterday but hey i'll take it right here like i'll take it i didn't <laughs> love her character i sort of felt bad that she probably spent about 90 minutes getting ready to show up at this wedding and now is no longer in a relationship that is welcome at the wedding. Like, I don't know. I felt bad for her in this moment. She still stays. I know. But like, she gets broken up with on the steps of a church at a wedding. Like, there's a, like, she has some soul searching she's got to do is all I'm saying. Yeah. I do love Quentin is like, are you going to pick that up? Your bottom jaw. <laughs> Where he's almost just maniacal. I don't it's think so he's funny. acting. Like, I don't think the camera was anywhere close to them. And I think he was just like, 
being silly on set. Like he is so genuine. He's so good. I love it. It's so funny. Anyway, Lance has not showed up, but he shows up in a taxi, not even dressed. And he's like, oh, I'm just here to tell my parents that the wedding is off. I don't know why all you even bothered to come. <laughs> well, because six months ago, you sent us an invitation and we got tuxes right. and spent a shitload of money to come to town. That's why we're here at the church. Somebody's getting married today. <laughs> you, I know exactly. You told us to be here at this time. Why are you so mad at me for being here? Well, Tay Diggs fooled around my girl friend conservatively 12 years ago and i can't go through with this anymore i do understand why he'd be upset about that though mikey i don't if he's been cheating on her the whole time that's a ridiculous double standard oh no i mean yeah that's fair he has been cheating on her like a bunch anyway we cut to the bride's room where mia is crying and at first I, we think that it's because the wedding is off but she doesn't know the wedding is off yet she doesn't know that morris chestnut knows that she and tay Diggs did the dirty back in the day right next week on the best man <laughs> anyway but Sanaa Lathan Robin kind of ducks in there to be like oh hey you look so beautiful it's it's a, hey he's just running late don't worry about it and she meets Jordan in there but she and Jordan kind of instantly team up a little bit to be like what whatever is between us or our beef gets squashed right now yeah. because it's this girl's wedding and we're not going to let it get fucked up and so they're just like, hey, you know, you know what? We're going to stay here with you and he'll be here just in time. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Meanwhile, he and Tay Diggs have it out, which I love that Tay Diggs is like, let's do what we used to do. Read scripture and pray. And he's like, cool, you can start with Exodus 2014. Thou shalt not commit adultery. <laughs> and I'm almost like, hey, asshole, you've been cheating on her this whole time. Yeah, this whole ass time that pot meat kettle maybe you should read that exact verse as well yes yes and this is this is the first time i've ever seen a christian be a hypocrite so like i was shocked <laughs> the gall though oh if i was gonna stand there like I, I, he's lucky he's a huge dude or whatever because i'd have been like bitch how many times have you prayed to me when you cheated? Yeah. I got drunk once. Yeah. You know, I never thought y'all would make it. You kept cheating on her. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he gets to a point where Morris Chestnut is like, I always knew that there had been someone else, that at some point something had happened. I cheated on her so much for so long, of course. I just didn't think it would be you. And I think that's what gets to what's really bothering him about it is that it was someone close to him who cared about him who knew it would hurt and still did it. That is a betrayal. Like, I get why he would be upset about that, yes. Yeah. I also get that he has been cheating on Mia for, like, their entire relationship. So, like, yeah. it is a complex sort of a thing, but I would be upset about that. Yes. Anyway, he basically is like, I still love Mia. She's still my person. And so Tay Diggs basically convinces him to go through with it. They're going to they're gonna get married. The wedding happens. They wrote their own vows, and Mia, great vows. Yeah. And Lance, decent vows, but he has a flashback in the middle of it. <laughs> a little rough. I thought that was wild, though, right? Like, you, you're you like... <laughs> it was crazy. You're like, oh, okay, it's a wholesome wedding scene. That's, whoa, what was that? Because it's like, what a, was oh, that? It's, like a, it's like an aggressive sex sound. I was like, oh. It throws you off as much as Bilbo Baggins turning evil when he's talking to Frodo yes! and Lord of the Rings. It's as much of a jump scare. It's, yeah. it's, it's wild. Anyway, they do they do get married. They, they jump the broom, everything. Shelby is still in the audience, which I thought was hilarious because I didn't know what was going to happen. Then we cut to the reception with the best man speech. And this is where I feel like the movie doesn't quite understand its own point. 
because like throughout the movie, it's basically demonstrated like, hey, you need to kind of take ownership for what you do in relationships. And that's the point of this movie. But then in this scene, he's like, what you've built is worth preserving, which is basically a message of just like you put in time. So I guess marry that person. <laughs> and I'm like, what? No. <laughs> what are we talking about? It's a wild lesson. Yeah. But also, Paige, like, and you sort of said this earlier, if you were like, well, I mean, if it happened a long time ago in, in, in your past, like, sure. you do sort of, like, side with what you've built, you know? Like, and I, I get that. If Lance hadn't constantly cheated on her, I, I would get that. It's it's complex <laughs> because, like... It's the double standard. That's the problem for me. It is. It is. It's terrible. I know. I know. It's not, it's not that complex. If he did it one time, it would be more complex complex because it'd be like oh this is a direct reflection of like my one mistake and i have to seriously doubt i'm i'm projecting the anger of myself onto her i made one mistake eight years ago as well or whatever uh instead it's like i made a mistake eight months ago six months ago seven months ago yeah like right he's right, not right. a good dude i get that i mean it implies that he's like knocking it the fuck down yeah, yeah. so like fuck him you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they still get married. <laughs> like, they still end up together at the end of this movie. Yeah. Well, you got to do the electric slide to wipe the cl the slate clean. You got to do the electric slide. Uh, but also, they throw the bouquet and Shelby catches it. And then Quentin catches the garter. Now, what then proceeds is something I've never seen at a wedding. And I've been to a whole hell of a lot of weddings where I've seen people take the garter off the bride to then facilitate the garter dance and toss it i've never seen the person who catches the garter have to then put it back onto the person who caught the bouquet i've never once seen that and, and again maybe i i've just been to a fuck ton of weddings and never seen it maybe that's common and it's just not the weddings i've been to if you've seen that happen sound off in the facebook group but i was like this is a why I've never usually it's just a dance or something, but he like uses his mouth to put the garter on her leg, which I was and he was like, say you like it. I was like, no. Oh, no, this is dark. Run. <laughs> like, oh, no. But Paige, I think it sort of telegraphs that like she did like it, though. And she was like surprised that she did. Yeah. I know. And, and based on what we see later, for sure. But oh, I think it's also very clear that this is the only scene in the movie directed by Quentin, but not this Quentin. Quentin Tarantino. Right, because of the feet in the mouth. Yeah. Anyway, Jordan and Harper dance so that they can talk, and Sanaa Lathan ends up dancing with Uncle Skeeter, which is hilarious because as they're having a very serious conversation, Uncle Skeeter, like, twirls her past in the background, yeah. and it's really hilarious. But Jordan basically is like, I love you as a friend, but she's the one. She's great for you. Yeah. She was great in helping me with Mia. I'm going to bow out essentially like I'm stepping away so that I'm getting out of your way in a way. And so then he just proposes to Sanaa Lathan, which I was like, girl, run. No, I was a little shocked that she said yes to the man who proposed who like, couldn't say I love you earlier this weekend. I know. <laughs> I was like, Sanaa, man. And almost cheated on her the day before. But I didn't. Cause she said no, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I was like, Omar Epps is out there for you, Sanaa. And then he like throws her words back at her. This like, you know, you don't live enough for today, which is what she said to him at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And I was like, mm -mm, run. But she says yes. And everyone does the electric slide. And then we cut to a mid credit scene where Terrence Howard wakes up next to Shelby and they're both like, oh, no, what did I do? Oh, God, no. Did you touch me? Like, no. And, and that's, that's the movie. movie.
So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about The Best Man? I really did enjoy it. Like, no lie. Like, yes, it, it has pacing issues. You could trim it. Everyone's a villain. But man, did I have a good time watching it. And I cannot wait for the sequel. I can't wait for Christmas like Lachey level cheating nonsense. I can't wait. Are we going to do it this this upcoming Christmas? Yes, that okay, was good. Pl- I wanted to do it this Christmas, but we hadn't done this one, so we have to do it next Christmas. Yeah, okay. Cuz I want to see it. Like I can't wait. Cuz I do feel for similar reasons, I enjoyed watching parts of this movie. I do feel like the two seven-minute car rides that we get, one between Tay Diggs and Sonata Lathan, and then Tay Diggs and Mercutio, I was like, okay, we got to move this scene along, guys. I got to get to something else. So there were pacing issues, which is not super uncommon of 90s movies, but I got through it, and I sort of laughed. Like, I really loved Terrence Howard in this movie. He made it enjoyable. Yeah, I thought it was too talky it felt like a play i don't like plays i like movies it did feel like david mamet's the best man at some points you're right they had all these people with like fun visual jobs like producing segments playing football doing stuff but we get no scenes of that some of these scenes could have taken place during that some of those act those scenes where i'm like it's a movie show us some cool things oh you won't cool thanks i do love that it is like they like they have some of the coolest jobs to see on film, and we see none of them really. Professional athlete, executive producer of a TV show, author that's going to be on Oprah. I legit thought we were going to get a scene with Tay Diggs on Oprah, and we didn't. I thought that was very funny. You could have done these conversations at some of these cool places, and I would have liked the movie more. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's fair. Instead of like a car ride. <laughs> yeah. But Paige... Do you have any fun facts for us? I do. Well, here it is with your fun facts. Best Best man, fun fun facts. So when we were talking about this in our group chat earlier today, we were trying to theorize whether or not this had begun as a play and then was adapted into a movie because it does have very much that feel of it. And I did some research to find out it was not a play. This is a comedy drama written as a film and directed by Malcolm D. Lee in his directorial debut. So this is his first movie. This is good for a first film, man. That's good for him. Yeah. Yeah. His cousin Spike Lee uh, produced. Uh, So that's kind of part of how this gets made, but it was not a play to begin with. Um, So during the scene at the bachelor party, when Tay Diggs goes to Jordan's, and she slaps him. That was not in the script. The slap wasn't? The slap was not in the script. Nia Long, who plays Jordan, slapped him and because she felt something was missing from the scene. I think that slap is perfect and earned in the scene. And so Tay Diggs's whoo, reaction was real. And after they cut, he was very angry at Nia for hitting him so hard. But once he saw it cut in, because that's the take they used, he actually really liked it within the scene. And I think it belongs there. I think that is... Good choice. I literally wrote, I can't believe, like, this is this is my note. I can't believe Tay Diggs is blaming, Ju- never mind, she slapped him, good for her. Like, that was my yes, note. Yes. I was like, <laughs> yes, I do feel like he earned that slap in that scene. Yeah. Yep. But I can also understand as an actor, if you, like, showed up to set and were, like, not expecting to get slapped in the face and then got smacked in the face, why you might be like, what is happening yeah yep now a lot of the fun facts listed for this are just about how all of these people end up in a million other movies together around this time yeah that's not super interesting as a fun fact especially because we've done three or four of those movies already on this show i think i named one this episode for love and basketball right love and basketball and then we've also done brown sugar yeah but something i found really interesting is that tay diggs almost wasn't in this movie uh, originally, they offered the role to Lorenz Tate, who also would have been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he turned it down. 
thinking that it was too similar to his character in Love Jones with them both being writers. Okay, that's fair, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. During the college flashback, one of them at 25 minutes and 38 seconds, Harper is looking at the layout for an article about Lance in the newspaper, and the article is only five paragraphs long. The story is repeated three times. So it's basically just copied and pasted over and over and over and over and over again. I love when set deck gets lazy. (laughs) It was great. So a lot of people in this end up on Empire. I'm going to bring I'll do this one because we brought up Empire within uh, the episode. But Tay Diggs and Nia Long both had recurring roles on Empire, uh, which, of course, Terrence Howard was also on for five plus years. They've never all shared a scene together, but independently, Tay Diggs and Nia Long have had storylines that involved Terrence Howard's character. So, like, the three of them have it, but, like, individually, they both had scenes with Terrence Howard, which is kind of funny. Yeah. So the sequel to this movie comes out almost 10 years later, and it is Best Man Holiday, and it is a Christmas movie, and I cannot wait for us to do it. Uh, And it is almost the entire same cast. Hell yeah. I mean, it's the same writer and director because I looked it up. So it's it's, it's like yep. th- from the same mind of this movie. Like, I love when that is what continues, you know? Yes. Now, if Merch, uh, Harold Perineo, hadn't mentioned anything to Tay Diggs about reading his book or about Jordan having his book, they would have still found out about it seconds later because Jordan's boss says that she has read the book and she got it from Jordan. Yeah. So there was no way to avoid the events of this film Now, at 1 hour, 26 minutes and 29 seconds, Shelby is seen to be wearing sheer white stockings with her dress at the wedding. But 20 minutes later, when Quentin is putting the garter on her leg, she is not wearing any stockings and her legs are bare. Mm -hmm. It's unclear as to whether or not this is a continuity error or if she deliberately took her stockings off to facilitate the gartering. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little bit about box office. So what do you think the production budget was for The Best Man in 1999 when this movie premiered? Three million. Okay. Six million. Mikey's closer, but it's actually nine million dollars. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised by it. It looks like nine million. Like, it's on the screen. I think it looks good, yeah. But for first-time director, first-time writer, like, that's a pretty good-sized budget. Like, that's a good-sized chance for that guy. So, awesome. I think it pays off. But if you adjust for inflation... That $9 million would be $16.4 million today. Wow. Okay. Now, this movie came out on October 22nd, 1999, and it was number one the weekend it came out. It was obviously number one. Number two was Double Jeopardy. Fight Club was number three. Ooh, Double Jeopardy and Fight Club. Good time for movies. Bringing Out the Dead was number four, and The Story of Us was number five. American Beauty was number six. Like, there were a lot of good movies. In uh, theaters, The Sixth Sense, Three Kings was also out at this time. Uh, anyway, but what do you think The Best Man brought in in its opening weekend? I'm going to say two million. Okay. It was number one that weekend, Paige. I should. Oh, sorry. No. But it is 99. So like. It is 99. You got to uh, factor in about like half of what it would be today because <laughs> of inflation. Yeah. Uh, seven million. <laughs> inflation and streaming. Yeah. I'm going to say 14. Okay. This movie, like, nails its budget back. It was $9 million to make. It made $9 million in its opening weekend. That's fantastic. Okay. Good for them. Yeah, no, no, no. It's amazing, right? So it's uh, it, it's like $9,031,000. So it's just barely over its budget back in its first week. It was in the theaters for a total of 14 weeks. So it ran from 
October 22nd through January 21st of 2000. Okay. Uh, but what do you think it made in its total box office run? And I'll just say it made almost 500,000 internationally. So not a lot internationally. It was mainly domestic. It probably didn't get as wide of a release internationally either. Oh, I'm sure it did not. But that was before we really... Like, in the 90s, Not m- most movies didn't get a huge international release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say it made $22 million. Okay. 35. Four. Holy shit, Mikey! It's thirty-four point five. <gasps> yeah. You nice. Box office whisperer. Uh, that, if you adjust for inflation, is sixty-three point two million dollars today. But that's your box office. It it made good money. So, Mikey, do you want to hit us with that romance scale? Yeah, a romance scale is a scale of one to four of how romantic we found the film. We haven't gotten any feedback yet because that episode hasn't dropped yet. <laughs> but we'll see uh, But for now it's one to four One being least romantic and four being most Paige That's one uh, This is, I don't see this as a very romantic movie <laughs> no, As I much totally as I see it as just a wild ensemble piece But I'm here for that Todd Exactly the same as, as Paige It's a one for me It is not a romantic movie And there's no like sexy stuff in it So there's no lion roars in this at all yeah it's a one for me too and that is our romance scale all right well this week Paige, you made us watch the best man next week it's mikey's turn so mikey (laughs) what are you gonna make us watch next week i am picking just right a movie where queen latifah is a physical therapist and as i've seen this before and i remember really liking it because uh, me and my brother went on a, like, a Queen Latifah kick because she's the best. Oh, I support the hell out of that. She is the best. I've loved all the movies we've done of her on this podcast. So I'm very much looking forward to her next week. I'm excited for this. I think this is one of her most successful movies. I think. What's the name of it again? I'm sorry. I missed it. Just right. But right. W-R-I-G-H-T. Ah, thank you. That makes it findable. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, yeah. This has Queen Latifah and Common in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Felicia Rashad, you out here working still. I love it. Spoiler alert for box office next week. It's definitely not her most successful film. Uh, Oh. But your homework for next week is to enjoy watching Queen Latifah, and I'm assuming probably Common, fall in love in Just Right. Yay. And then report back for that episode. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? No. Well, while you're looking one up, let me read (laughs) let me read a comment from our Charlie St. Cloud episode. Of which we got a lot of comments on, guys. I'm not going to lie. That Charlie St. Cloud episode was insane. And uh, there was a lot a, a lot, of, a lot of discussion on it on Spotify. But one of my favorites was from Kitten Meow. And they said, you guys, Ray Liotta's ghost didn't turn up at the end because earlier in the movie, he said he had lived a full life. So he didn't need to come back as a ghost because he had already moved on. At least that's what I thought. And Kitten Meow... I agree. I think that's why we don't that's see. That's a good point. Yeah, we don't see Ray sense. Liotta show up. I don't even know how Charlie St. Cloud can see him, but he could have. So, yeah, that's got to be it. Anyway, Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? Apollo 2680. Well, what does Apollo 2680 have to say? You all make my day is the title of the review. Nice. Uh, I find myself anxiously checking for new episodes, even when a new one just dropped that day. <laughs> Oh, thank you for the constant laughs. Five stars. Well, 
you are welcome. And thank you so much for the awesome five-star review and the Spotify comment. And if you want to have us read your Spotify comment or five-star review, do one of those things and we will read it. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts. Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it's, it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, pages at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. And you complete us. To completion. On a plank on your chest. (laughs) stop. (laughs) Bye. Mikey's going to break your sternum nerve.